it's the Tabcast two-year anniversary, and we celebrate our upcoming year by looking at prior desires. We do a double-length look forward, and finally, we bend to the will of the people by doing a playthrough review of Star Trek Fleet Captains. This is Tabcast 52. I'm Fred, joined I'm, by my wife. Oh, I'm Nicole. Nicole. Still Nicole. Yep. New year. Yep. New, same name. Yes. No new name. I haven't changed it. Same same podcast name. Yes. <laughs> not changing it. We're not doing a double length <coughs> look forward, really, are we? Double length? Oh, Six yeah. Six hours? <laughs> no, 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 no. Our, our normal look forward segment is Cardboard of Tomorrow. We're doing uh-huh. a double length Cardboard of Tomorrow. Oh. So yeah. it'll be like 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? Are you it means mocking you talk it? a lot. Me? Yeah. Is it my fault? Usually. Really? <laughs> How dare it couldn't you? Possibly be me. <laughs> so, okay, my resolution for 2017. Nicole's going to talk more. Go. No, I don't want that. What? <laughs> I have nothing to say. You've got the buttons. We can't even progress until you start doing activate. Oh, my goodness. Go okay, team, this go. isn't going to work, is it? No. <laughs> okay. 2017, I'm not going to change how much I talk. <laughs> okay? Okay. Well, um, it is the new year. We did our look back last episode, and this is our look forward. Right. So um, let's just get to it. Okay. How about that? Steady your senses, listeners, as the clocks begin to spin forward, leaving your board game room behind and getting a glimpse into the cardboard, the cardboard of, of tomorrow. Okay, Nicole. Um, yes. This cardboard of tomorrow is what games uh, are you looking f- most forward to playing in 2017? Most forward to playing. In 2017. Right. So somebody might be a cheaty pants and it'll be a game that's already out. Well, really, I mean, honestly, it. it is sort of like, hey, there's upcoming games in 2017 and you should be looking forward to playing them. Now, that, Possibly. I, I don't, that, that means I don't want you to reflect upon your own collection as much as you are looking forward to games that you could, you could play. Okay. Coming up. All right. Okay. Well, I have a list. Well, that's fine, but we're not going to talk about your list first. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about our listeners' lists Ooh. because I asked the guild about this. As we this. do every week. Not every week. <laughs> we ask them something every week. Next week, I'm not asking them anything. Or every other week. I am not asking. Well, sometimes they just volunteer, and we like that about them. Right, right. Initiative is a good thing. Well, I, 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 I gave this question to the guild. You know, I put, right, put it forward. Put, okay. And they, and they answered. Answered. They answered. Now this this uh, this question actually got quite a bit of response. Well, yeah. I think people people get really excited about future stuff. Of course. Do That's you? That's why sci-fi is so popular. Is it? It's like a lot of futuristic things. Yeah. What are cars going to be like later in the future? Mm. Are we going to live here? Are we going to live on the moon? Probably not the moon. I don't think it's got much going for it over Earth. 
Oh, it's kind of dark and <laughs> desolate. All right, here we go. Only see half of it at a time. Now, Glenn uh, is the first person who answered. He said he has quite a few on his list. He's most interested in Gloomhaven. I've heard a lot of people talking about Gloomhaven. <laughs> okay, now Gloom... But I don't know much about it, so tell me. <clears throat> Gloomhaven is a really big box of cards. Right. Of cards? Uh, it looks like it. Um, okay. You, it looks like sort of a step back in production for more content. Uh, it is a dungeon crawl in a box. The campaign is rumored to go over 100 hours. Ooh, that's a lot. It's billed as a legacy game, and it's uh, the the game is sort of driven by card play, and it's supposed to have a more sort of mechanical feel than just like your average dungeon crawling dice chucker. Sounds interesting. The legacy part might lose me. You think so? I don't know. Like, I'm I'm kind of a fan of that legacy aspect of games I'm already familiar with because it right. like breathes new life into them. And I like that, but changing a game I'm not already familiar with is just a game that let's, let's a be living honest game. about what a legacy. I know is. exactly what it is. No, I mean, but, I'm, but I'm saying whenever, whenever we talk about a legacy game, that's every campaign styled role-playing game ever. Well, except you don't permanently change the rules necessarily. But you, tr- you permanently change the storyline and, and permanently change characters and things like that as you go. And right. you end up with your own unique character at the end of every game and See, your own unique story. Sometimes it becomes like a buzzword and it just kind of bothers me. <laughs> That's what me. I'm afraid of is that maybe this was applied with like sort of a buzzword sort of, you know, method. And it really, let's be honest, it, it's just a role playing game in a box. Unless there's stickers that change the actual mechanic. Right. But again, you're right. That still just doesn't... I don't know. I don't even want to argue this one. I just... I like the legacy part of the games I already know. I Otherwise, agree. it just seems like... I new, agree. New things. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he's really looking forward to Gloomhaven. So Having a giant 100-hour role-playing game of dense rules. Sounds kind of fun, but except for the 100-hour part. Yeah, you couldn't handle it. No. Nicole and I would never get through 100 hours of game. No. We just won't. No. There's too many games. There are. And 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 part of being, you know, a podcaster means that we have to sort of be, you know, we have to progress through games at a pretty fast rate. We don't have time to dwell very much. <laughs> Which is my problem with Skyrim right now. Yeah. Yes, I picked up Skyrim. We already had it. It's not like I went out and bought it, but we had it, and I never it played it. It means she picked it up from the shelf in the basement in the captain's quarters. Right, and now I'm playing it, <laughs> and I'm already, like, level four and just now figured out how to use the stupid map. Oh, yeah, she didn't know how to fast <laughs> travel, and she had been playing for how many hours? A couple Amazing. Few. I'm dumb. Anyhow, <laughs> moving right along. All right, his next one he's looking forward to is First Martian's Adventure on the Red Planet. Now, this is the sequel to Robinson Crusoe. By the way. Yes. I totally discovered why I always have and probably always will say that wrong. I do it three syllables, Caruso, right. which I know it's not. Uh-huh. But if you watch Gilligan's Island, anybody my age or older that like <laughs> watched that show a whole bunch, maybe a little right. younger that just watched it a whole bunch, they say like Robinson Caruso. Caruso. Primitive yeah, they as had can to make be. the song work. Right. But I grew <laughs> up with that in my head. So it's not my fault. It's not your fault. Get you know? off my back about it. Mom. No, I'm just kidding. My mom's never said anything. <laughs> so somebody threw, you know how like everybody has said 2016 was notorious for celebrity deaths. 
someone tried to throw up like uh what's his name the guy who played Gilligan as one of the guys who died last year even though he died in 2005 or something like that oh, this, oh. anyway <laughs> I saw that at the end of this last year it just kind of made me think about Gill- Gilligan's Island when you said that okay anyway but that's why I say it wrong <clears throat> and I'll probably continue to first do so. Martians adventures on the red planet now um supposedly according to Ignacy you are not focused on feeding yourself, and you have plenty of food. Okay, on <laughs> Mars, right? And this one, this one, and this this is like a coin toss whether this makes you excited or not. Also, has an app supporting it. I'm kind of excited about that. <clears throat> I don't know. It might just be a tracker thing, which and that would be great. But you know, this is the way the way that apps. This is the truth. The way that apps need to be <laughs> is they need to help you with complex things, like keeping track of all the stuff in Mansions of Madness Second Edition. Keeping track of all the hit points on all four of your characters <clears throat> in Sentinels of the Multiverse. Right. Or or in uh, uh, they have an app now for Myth, which keeps oh. track of your darkness phase and and what happens in what order and tells and tells you what enemies are in there and stuff like that. It's it it's helps you. nice. It is nice. It I helps agree. you through that that hard sort of bookkeeping step that you would normally mess up. Yeah, that's where apps are really nice, right? And I hopefully this does that, at least. You yeah. know, if not, it'll at least still be <laughs> better than the book for Robinson Crusoe was. Right. I'm sure it's going to be. The, no, there's not much out about this game, but <laughs> <laughs> it's probably cooperative. It's probably worker placement. You're probably going to build different devices that help you on Mars. The setting is Mars instead of a deserted island. You're on a deserted planet. and With plenty of food. Yeah. They, they so said strange. They, they prepared the space mission mission for what was going to happen. Huh. But I'm sure there's lots of curveballs and there's probably missions like, Whoa, oh, our oxygen is messing up. We have to build a new oxygenator. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay. That's, uh, I, I'm excited for that too. Okay. Uh, Lisboa. Um, Are you saying that right? I'm going to say it like okay. Liz Boa. <laughs> <laughs> this is a female snake game. I'm just kidding. The uh, <laughs> now he says he loved the gallerist, and this seems equally chunky and intriguing. Now this is an economic city building game. Uh, Liz Boa is a historical city that uh, was near destruction after there was an earthquake, followed by a massive tsunami, followed by three days of fire. Uh, And you are challenged to rebuild this. Everybody's kind of playing an investor guy who's trying to sort of take power over the city by rebuilding it. Hmm. Um, It sounds it sounds kind of cool. I mean, you generate wealth uh, by you generate wealth into the royal treasury and then you use your influence to take wealth from acquire that wealth, you know, to build the city, which gets you more influence and power. And the player with the most wigs, it says at the end of the game, will win. Looks pretty cool. Sounds really strange. <laughs> it's dense. It sounds dense. <laughs> it looks dense. Uh, he also says he's excited for massive, massive darkness. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody. Everybody. All of them. Every one of them. Everyone. Really. Mm-hmm. All of them. Yes. Those guys. Right. Okay. Uh, this is a giant dungeon crawl goodness, sort of based on the Zombicide mechanics. And people are saying more like Zombicide Black Plague, which really the big difference between Zombicide Black Plague and Zombicide for me, other than the medieval scene or theme versus modern theme, is that in Black Plague, you can shoot ranged attacks into spaces that contain zombies and other 
uh, players on your team and not shoot the players on your team first. What's the theme for this? <clears throat> um, this is a just big classic dungeon crawl. You're a group of adventurers, and you go into a dungeon, and it uses the zombicide mechanics. Okay. <laughs> it's just a big dice co-op dice chucker. Um, right. The If you kickstarted it like I did, you got a ton <laughs> of extra stuff, you know, heroes, like just a, you know, it's almost like a whole box of extra plastic added okay. in again. Um but, I mean, it's it's an adventure game. It's going to be kind of like Zombicide, where you have missions and you fight through this dungeon. I, I saw that there's there's mechanics where there's, like, captains and, and minions underneath the captains, and you kind of spawn them in together. And, I don't know, looks cool. Okay. Looks fun. Um, it's going to be a big one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll play it. Don't worry. It's on, it's on its way. I know. It's paid for already. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. You're welcome. I don't want to pay for it. Um, he's excited about Rising Sun as well. Now, this is they, they, they're calling this, a lot of people are calling it the spiritual sequel to Blood Rage. Yeah. Though uh, Eric Lang designed both. And he claims that he's been working on this one a lot longer than Blood Rage. He said that he started design on this and scrapped it a few times. And some people even claim to have played early versions of it with him and thought that those versions were good and were shocked when he said, oh, yeah, I threw all that away. Yeah. So this is something he's been refining a lot longer than Blood Rage. And let's I mean, he's put a lot into it. So hopefully this is, you know, something worth playing. Uh, It's set in uh, feudal Japan. (coughs) Fancy that with a name like Rising Sun. Right. Um, uh, You kind of play different armies and you do area control and this is a the the only thing that's bad about this for me okay first up it's three to six players yeah like already you and i don't want that in our collection because we play games together more than we play with other people right and when we play with other people we play it like one time and then that like never again right and we usually pandemic we usually play something that's they haven't played before and record them <laughs> Whether they want us to or not, right? With secret <laughs> <You're coming> microphones. <laughs> secret microphones. Just kidding. Um, so then, uh, this is like I said, three to six will take it down a notch for us. Uh, another thing that kind of made it made it kind of me a little nervous about it, but there's there's something that counteracts this. Is they said it was more like the, the blood rage was more like uh, risk. That okay. was his version of risk. And risk, I, I mean, I, I I will be straight up. I just don't like basic risk almost at all. Ever. But I Blood know. Rage was really cool. Right. Uh, he said this is more like diplomacy than risk. I've never played that, though. Um, but it's kind of described as this, like, purely diplomatic game of area control. And it takes hours and hours and hours to play. Like, all day. Yeah. You know, to play a game of it. And at the end of it, you don't really like anybody because everyone had to betray everyone in order to try to win the game. Hmm. That's that's the game. Now, here's the good news. This game is supposed to take like 60 to 90 minutes. That is good. It's a good, good length of time. Not 12 Ow, I hours. Hit, I hit my finger on the table. Manage so. those better. What? Manage my fingers? <laughs> I, no. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm like the clumsiest person <laughs> I hit my knee so hard at work the other day. It's right. Like three days ago, I still have a bruise and I was limping for two days. Right. So hitting my finger on the table should not be a shock to you. <laughs> Moving right along. All right. 
Uh, Enough about me. Back to me. Enough enough about your knee. Back to this game. Okay. Uh, He says it's more like diplomacy, and it's it's basically it's a diplomacy game set in feudal Japan that takes an hour to an hour and a half, ninety minutes. Let's just say something about this one, you know. And I know other people are pretty excited about it. There's just something holding me back on this one. I don't know what it is. It's just not grabbing me at all. Do you remember? You remember how Frank? bought the others. He came over and played it at our house and uh-huh. said, it was a good game, but I think I'm going to sell my Kickstarter copy of it. Right. This might be one of those ones that you just, that if you were an investor, you could, you could probably just kickstart this and then sell it because people are going to be salivating for this later this year. Right. And that but Kickstarter. there's something that's not clicking with me. I don't know why. <laughs> that Kickstarter is going to be so huge. Right. It, it's insane. Yeah. It really will. And it be. may be great. Yeah. But I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. That three to six really kind of made me that, go. I, this was before that, but that totally turns me off then. Uh, I don't know. But, so it might be good. So he will have to let us know because I'm sure he'll get it and play it. I mean, it. it's got tons of miniatures and it's got those crazy feudal demon looking guys and stuff. It's really cool looking. Yeah. And we we got to see the miniatures in a display case at Gen Con. Right. Some of them. And it still just didn't quite click with me. <clears throat> we'll see what they're going to do with it. I'm sure it's going to be one of those $100 starters, you know, Kickstarter things to get in the stretch goals. And then you get a bazillion a things. bazillion extra miniatures. Is it actually coming out this year? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. It's not the next Kickstarter they're doing, but okay. it's the one It's the next. It's up for Kickstarting this year. It's right. probably not coming out this year. It's probably coming out next year and Kickstarting this year. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's excited about the seventh continent. I looked into this. It's a card driven choose your own adventure story. Mm. Uh, lots of people seem to be looking forward to this to soloing this game. Okay. It's a co-op game, but it seems like it's a, it's a solo, a favored solo experience. Um, Is it going to be like a time stories kind <clears throat> of? No. Designers claim that it's inspired by the fight, the fighting fantasy series. Fighting fantasy. Right. Now. I don't know what that is. Okay. So you remember Choose Your Own Adventures, right? I thought it was going to be Final Fantasy. And I was like, ooh, but <laughs> no, I like that. Fighting fantasy. Oh. Uh, you remember Choose Your Own Adventure stories, right? Right. So now imagine at the front of a, of a Choose Your Own Adventure story, you have a character sheet that you get to roll stats up for. Oh, sounds and awful. Write, and you, you photocopy that and you write down stats on this little character sheet. And now you're going on an adventure in the book, in the Choose Your Own Adventure book, and you're rolling dice that you carry around with your book and, and tracking your character on this little piece of paper. Ugh. And you get to have your own little private Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Don't stop looking at me with this disgusted look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so not my up my alley at all. I had several of these when I was growing up because you get in these situations where you don't role play for a while. And it was really nice to have this little solo version of it that you could kind of just sit down and play through a few rounds of, you know, but you like fight monsters and stuff like that. And you get little stats to help you fight and you can find swords and stuff that help you. And it's kind of fun. Now, this one's the, of course, I'm sure a lot more complex than that. Uh, It's inspired by the fighting fantasy series. Uh, And according to them, it has an incredibly long campaign uh, that can be paused and saved really easily. Like just by like collecting all the cards you've gathered up into your little one stack and and you can kind of save where you're at almost instantly. Hmm. So that's that's the seventh continent. That's something if you're looking for a solo game that's going to take, you know, a many many hours of play. Then I recommend Skyrim. <laughs> but learn to use your map. 
And you don't want to plug into a video game and have this oh. sort of experience where you're holding dice and where five minutes in your life seems like it's like an hour in everybody else's because it was like you just left the room. That's oh. what Skyrim felt like. Oh my to you. gosh, seriously, you were gone for like over an hour, and I thought you were gone for like ten minutes. I was gone for less than an hour. It's gone for fifty-five minutes. Okay, what which felt is like how long minutes? it took, just so everybody knows, for me to learn and play a two-player game of Mazmora. Without me. That's right. Because I was playing a video game. All right. That's what Glenn had to to offer. Thank you, Glenn. Rodney jumps in and he says, uh, Feudum. Feudum, he says it has beautiful artwork and deep gameplay. That's what he says. I say it's three hours long. Ooh. (laughs) It's a weighty economic game where you're forced to serve the king or be charged with disloyalty and seems a lot like a game uh, where you'll gain, where you sort of gain control of fiefdoms and then you tax them and you gain points over five uh, epochs and then watch out for the sea monster. What? <laughs> There's a lot to this game. There is so much to this game, and it just seems really long and weighty. Is this going to be the year of no more fluff? I don't know, but this is this is what Rodney's like. The first game, evidently, when he started typing, the first one he wanted to type in is Feudum, which just seems like the last game on Earth that I'd want to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, we just don't have the time in our schedules to do it. It just it seems really dense, really weighty, and it seems like uh And you're going to have to be the one to teach okay. everybody, so that's another strike. You know. I mean, but once again, people are looking forward to it. Oh yeah. Well, you know. So if you're like into really thick, weighty, long games, you know, where you where you start at like uh you know, hey, let's get together at one o'clock and we'll play until dinner time, one game. This would be that game. Wow. That's yeah. what we're talking about. So okay. uh, that's Feudum. Uh, he says that he thought First Martians also looked good, and he has the updated Robinson Crusoe on pre-order. Yeah. I guess they ran out a printing of that old version that we have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Early reports have said that the new version has a much better uh, rule book. Right. Yeah, that's what I've heard, too. I haven't heard much about the components or anything else. Only that the rule book is is like night and day better. The size of the box is better. Now, to be quite clear, the old rule book had all the information you needed in it. If the you problem was is you together. couldn't find it. Well, you couldn't put it together right. properly. It was just confusing. Okay. Uh, he says the rest of what he's waiting for are Kickstarters. Ugh, waiting Kickstarters. For, <laughs> he's waiting for Dream Wars. This one. Dream. Is another ambitious adventure card game kind of thing with over 500 hours of play. Seriously? (laughs) Rodney. What? (laughs) How much are you going to play this one game this year? That's a lot. (laughs) Well, if he's paying Kickstarter prices, which are usually crazy, maybe a lot. I mean, they're not crazy. Sometimes. They're, They're pretty much like MSRP. Plus some, Straight but then the you company. get a bunch of stuff. Right, but then you get like the first three expansions free. <laughs> 500 uh, hours here's of one, play. Here's one that he likes that I, I just like, I don't even know if I could get this to the table. Man, we're just bashing everybody. We are so sorry. No, no, no. But this is going to be a rough year for us because everything's going to be an epic. No, but listen to this. Listen to this, okay? Game. You'll understand in a second. Oh, okay. Endangered Orphans. This is this dark 
card game about surviving as a homeless child. What? I swear to you. And the last orphan alive will win the game. That's a depressing <laughs> oh little... Oh, my God. <laughs> they all look pathetic. The artwork all has these really pathetic children in it. Is it a long game? I don't... I didn't look. I was just... Was Is like, it different than that Evil Orphans? Because Bri- Brianna has that. I, I didn't play that. Oh, you I did. You guys played that. Yeah. It wasn't depressing looking. No, I doubt it. it was I cartoony. doubt it's a survival game where, where all the orphans are going to die other than one, and that's the winner. <laughs> Comes with the Sarah McLaughlin soundtrack in the background. All the heroes. All of them have these little puppy eyes looking up at you out of the card. Oh, look, that orphan hurt his paw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I don't know. Where did you guys find these? Like, I didn't, I looked, I didn't see any of these things. I didn't, I wouldn't, I don't know. <laughs> Orphans. We played kittens in a blender. <laughs> it's so dark, I can't imagine. If I even kittens if in I a even, blender's dark. But if I even put that out, I don't know the friend that I could put that, that theme out to and have them go, yeah, let's totally kill the orphans and see who survives. I'd totally play it with you. You oh, know that. terrible, though. I try. You play evil in every game. I do. <laughs> he also wants, uh, he's kickstarted Saltlands. This is a post-apocalyptic uh, sort of escape the waste games. Okay. Uh, it's co-op or semi-co-op. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird looking presentation. It has all these hexes on the table that are maps and stuff like that. And, and the art style on them is sort of cartoony looking, uh, but it has like this uh that sort of stark blown out white background sort of like the I'm a Mac I'm a PC guys or whatever you, you know that look okay no i do okay i good do for because you. The, the way that you achieve this <laughs> just for everybody who are a technical perspective uh you put a curved corner on the wall so there's no corner there's just a curve that transitions up the wall so you can't see any kind of shadowing back there oh. you then throw a whole bunch of light from the front which is enough to light up the people the background wall is white, and then you iris everything up, and the back wall will blow out. Basically, it, it goes off the charts of the white and becomes a glowing background. But you can't do that if you have a corner <clears throat> in the room? You'll see the corner. It won't really? look like infinity. Weird. So you have to do that like that. You do it on like a, a, on a video stage. Huh. Like a you know, all stage. this trickery. <clears throat> it sort of has that look where like it has all this real harsh background. Now, this may be prototypes. I went to the Kickstarter page to look at most of this stuff. So, I don't know. It looks okay. I mean, there's not that many uh, post-apocalyptic escape games, that's for sure. Yeah. Might be fun. Uh, He also has uh, Tiny Epic Quest on there. Uh, And we talked about this. It has the meeples that hold weapons, and you have mission cards or, like, adventure cards where you're trying to position your little crew of adventurers in certain areas on the map Mm -hmm. and try to fulfill those quests and, and, you know, do it before your opponents do. And I actually backed this. Yeah, you can do late backing right now on it. You get everything that Kickstarter gets. I think it comes out. I can check one second. Sometime this year, maybe (laughs) it is. It is. Uh huh. Um, But you backed it how long ago? I I mean, I backed it like last week. Right. Well, okay. So when? But that was a late. It comes out in August. Okay. And I backed it last week. Okay, that's not horrifyingly bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. Um, but it looks really fun. It's another one of those uh, tiny epic games, so it's going to be in that weird little box that fits sort of in your pocket if you kind got, of. you know, big cargo pants or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has cargo <laughs> pants anymore. Well, I don't know. Maybe people on ships do. Is that who wear cargo? <laughs> I don't 
don't know. Where, where does the term cargo come from? I don't know. Is it how many pockets they have and how much stuff they can carry? I have no idea. So you have cargo on your pants? I, why would I know this? <laughs> I remember the pants where you had the little hammer loop. Carpenter pants? Carpenter jeans? Right. I don't know if I ever used that loop. Well, you're not a carpenter. But I have a hammer. <laughs> I'll hammer all the time. <laughs> the uh, <coughs> Rail Raiders Infinite is another game that he's looking forward to. Now, this is a... Uh, <coughs> I don't know if you know or not. There's a company called Soda Pop Miniatures that put out a game. Um, they put out like a little dungeon crawl game. I can't even remember the name of. Hey, hey. <laughs> Glad you brought it up. <laughs> but anyways, they have these, uh, they have the, the kind of chibi miniatures that like somewhat like, uh, you know, which is that sort of childish adult child mutation that Japanese people draw. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Right. Where they have like an oversized head and stuff right. like that. That's a little chibi. body, like like Stewie. Right. But they've sort of child, they've made a child look out of every all the faces and heads and stuff. Yeah, I know what uh, you're saying. It's, it's that look. And it's, uh, in this case, you're in a future setting and you get to do a uh, cops and robbers train robbery game. How and is it's that a, a future setting if there's <clears throat> cops and robbers with a train? Because there's like robot cops or something like that. Oh, and you can have laser because trains are making stuff. a comeback. Of course, <laughs> once the robots take over, the <laughs> that's trains true. are coming right back. That's true. Robots love trains more than anybody. So uh, he, it's it's one of those kind of games, and it's it is a versus game. So one of you plays as the cops, and one of you plays the robbers. And I'll play the robbers. No. Okay. Evil. I know. The uh, but yeah. So then you run at each other, and you. <laughs> You know, you just kind of smash into each other. Seems a little bit limited in scope as to what you do in this game. It is a box of plastic, and the plastic looks great. But the... Uh, well, that's like... That Raptor <laughs> game was pretty limited in scope as to what you do. Yeah, it was like a $30 game. it was game. super fun. But it was like a little game. Well, this... I don't know much about how the mechanics miniatures. work. Right. So they're going to be little. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, it, maybe it'd be cool. I don't know. Sounds kind of cool to me. All right. Brendan then weighed in, and he said anachrony? 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 <laughs> anachrony? <laughs> um, this looks Somebody's like, going to correct this on the guild at some point. <laughs> I don't even care. Here's the thing about Brendan's pick, though. This one actually looks really cool. And, I, and I'm not, not <laughs> to make Glenn and Rodney mad, but this one looks pretty cool, I think. It, it, they this got one. stuff that look cool. <laughs> they do, mind you. But this one, it's a time travel game. From the people who made Tracherion. Okay, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And this was this was like uh, a kickstarted game, is what he did. Ugh. <laughs> um, I I think it has a really nice production. It has plenty of miniatures, and it this this it's got this weird uh, time travel kind of mechanic where you play four to seven turns in the game, but during the game you can activate these time rifts. And go back and, like, supply yourself and change how your earlier turns played. Hmm. Like, resupply yourself and boost stuff in the future. Which sounds pretty cool. That sounds interesting. Right. Not but bad. We don't seem to get those time travel games to the uh, table. I tried, like but we had that won't do Time it. and Space, you which sounds time travel let me do it. We've got Back to the Future that we haven't brought to the table. We, got, we had Back to We've the got Future Chrononauts that we played. Like... <laughs> Ten years ago, um, and then uh, oh, what's the other one? Oh, it was on the tip of my tongue. What? Blah, 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 blah. Um, Patui. Mm. <laughs> Tragedy Looper. I tried to pick that recently. You wouldn't let me. 
No, you did not. <laughs> anyway, um, he also pay, uh, picks out Apocrypha. This is an adventure card game from the people who made Pathfinder the adventure card game. Oh, you lost me with Pathfinder. <laughs> right. That already kind of makes us wince a little bit. We weren't too thrilled with it. Uh, this one is a horror adventure card game. Uh, it's playable as a co-op or with a game master. You play missions uh, as you progress through the story. It seems like the plans for it are very similar to Pathfinder. I'm going to have to skip that one then. Because you get a base box and then they have like expansions that are going to come out and add like almost double the cards from the base box eventually. But all it is is adding the next chapters to the adventure so they can sell you the base box for a base box price of, you know, $60 MSRP yeah. and then sell you $20 expansions hmm. every time. Now, he may have gotten a good deal on these on the Kickstarter or whatever. I don't know what it is about Pathfinder. I mean, I literally sat there and had the we latest one for 50% off at Barnes & Noble with six expansions right. right in front of me. Like the, the six expansions that go with it. Yeah, but we and sat like, down and immediately mm, broke pass. that game. How did we break it? Remember? No. When we did the little demo thing of it, <coughs> we broke one. it. Yeah. Like the first try, he's like, um, well, that's not supposed to happen. Um... Uh, I don't. Well, just let's 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 restart. Let's pretend that didn't happen. I mean, there, I okay. have no doubt that we have people who listen to our podcasts that are fans of this game. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it, it just looked like it was going to be awesome. I was super excited about it, and then we immediately was excited broke that it. year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a and huge just, thing. I don't know, and the th- the theme's not enough to keep me on it because ooh, swords and things. How dare you? Well, it's not like it's <laughs> unique. Okay, you know. Um, it does kind of make me wince just thinking about it being Pathfinder-esque. Yeah. I'm sure that they're going to tell me that it's improved in every way, and then they tell me, oh, but the expansions work just like Pathfinder, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> eh. I don't know. But horror adventure. <laughs> mm, maybe. No. no. Maybe. Nope. I'm saying maybe. Nope. If it was called Friday the 13th and each expansion was oh another my movie, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. How many Friday the 13th movies have you made me watch this five. week? Five. Was it only five? Five. Only Four, five. Four, five, six, seven, and eight. You're correct. And we got to stop because part nine was not available I was going to have to pay for part nine. Amazon Prime. <laughs> Oof, the. Part eight was the worst. Anyways. It was so bad. <laughs> We're not talking about Friday the 13th. We are not because this is Monday the... By the way, some other day, just, just just as a final note on Friday the Thirteenth, I think Part Eight is the worst of the first eight movies. Leonard Malton thinks it's the best. That's why I don't trust him. Leonard so. <laughs> Malton is a moron. <laughs> I don't trust that guy. Uh, he also brings up Caravan. Caravan is a trading card game. Now this is this is has changed, but he says it's a trading card game being printed in two different versions with two different themes. One is fantasy. One is an Arabian trading theme. Uh, it's being described by playtesters as a splendor killer. Hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you that he also updated this, <laughs> telling, and somebody else said it on the actual Board Game Geek entry, <clears throat> that basically, at this point, they've gotten rid of the fantasy theme, which was something called Crystal Gollum, and it just kind of looked, it looked kind of whimsical. Uh-huh. Like, it looked, it, like, as far as fantasy goes, it looked more like children's book fantasy rather than traditional medieval Dungeons and Dragons fantasy kind of thing. Okay. You know? um, 
the Arabian trading card theme is staying. And now they've said there's two other games in a trilogy of games. Okay. Okay. So now they have three games all in that same Arabian trading theme. Um, so they're going to be like genies and I, I guess so. I guess so. But here's the thing. I want it. Okay. I do. It's I'll card drafting. It. I love drafting. Okay. It's trading with each other. Right. Uh, and it's all in an under one hour time frame. And they're calling it a Splendor Killer. Yeah, but you didn't like Splendor that much to begin with. I like Splendor pretty well. Except you never play it with me. I've played it in person with people probably more than you. I know, and you never let me play. Right. You always tell me no, Nicole. Here's the truth about Nicole. Get in the Nicole kitchen, got the make digital me a turkey version pot of pie. <laughs> Nicole got the digital version of Splendor, and she's a, a Splendor demon. I now. am not. That was an accident. I didn't mean no, to win. You win soundly. <laughs> Did you beat me last time? I don't think I you did. did. You did. You beat me on the iOS version. I don't remember. Soundly, I might add. <laughs> anyway, I still want it. Uh, Brendan kind of got cold feet when they got rid of the Crystal Golem. Evidently, he really liked that version of that game. Yeah. I was, I, when Everybody's I saw the two, thing. when I saw the two, I was actually kind of going, ah, I think I'll get that just regular old trading one. Yeah. I'll go for that one, you know? Well, you do like to be different. I'm just awful, is what it is. <laughs> um, so, Caravan, uh, check it out if you like Splendor. Uh, handful of Stars, because he's a, Wall- a Martin Wallace nut. This is the final game from Tree Frog Games, if you can believe it. And Tree Frog Games was kind of centered around Martin Wallace designing some games. Okay. Uh, it scares me a bit because it's a deck builder that has been compared to A Few Acres of Snow. Yeah. A game that we played in a 5 for 5 series and bailed on after, what, the second game? I think we made it to number three. I don't know. I it, just we, was like, we, it I, was not our This is not thing. fun. It's all I could think the whole time. But that uh, <laughs> Discworld was, that's a Martin Wallace, right. too. And uh, I really enjoyed, fun. I enjoyed that one. Right. So. Now, it, we have another Martin Wallace game upstairs that we haven't played yet. A study in Emerald. Right. Which I think may be a little more like a deck builder game again. See, I, I don't know. With a different theme. So we'll, we'll have to see about we'll try. that. Uh, this one kind of scares me, though, because it, it does it does look cool. I got to tell you, the components and stuff and how it was laid out and everything looked really nice. And it had that space kind of look where there's like, you know, really stark contrast, you know, where you've got this sort of space background and these really harsh colors that pop off of it. Okay. You know, so it, it was really dynamic looking. Looked cool, um, but just the fact that it's Martin Wallace and it's a deck builder kind of you know, makes it like not I said, it, it too could much go either way. Of course, it's area control since that's what Martin Wallace pretty much does, um, and it looks like Wallace fans will probably like this. Yeah, you know, and that's his it's his swan song with that company, Tree Frog Games. So uh, he says he's also interested interested in Gloomhaven. And Charterstone. Now, we've talked about Gloomhaven, but Charterstone is a legacy game lasting 12 plays, <laughs> Nicole. Is it two-player? <clears throat> I didn't look. If it's uh, two-player, we'll try it. Here's the thing that's interesting about this. <clears throat> it's designed by Jamie Stegmeyer of Scythe and Viticulture fame. Neither of which have we played yet. Right. But uh, you compete to build a city. Uh, you, not much information is really out about this because it's a legacy game. They don't want to really want to say much. Um, uh-huh. Probably something to look out for. Stegmeier's pretty solid right now. Good track record with him. So you probably can probably, yeah, I'm sure you can count on the fact that this is going to be at least well thought out. Right. You know? I'll try it. Okay. That's Charterstone. If it's two player. <clears throat> right. That's my caveat. Okay. Ray 
uh, jumps in here with a single entry. He says, "Rising Sun had him at the fact that diplomacy is is at a is a component of it." Uh, he hopes that it's not the. Uh, he really hopes that it's not one that is easily ignored, as he loves diplomacy and games. Let me read that again, as it <clears throat> actually is on the page. What? I really hope it's not one that is easily ignored, but as I they... love diplomacy and games. Mm. That. Well, sorry, you sounded weird. You're weird. <laughs> Uh, I gotta, ha- I gotta wait for a reaction to this one. I really do. I just do. I know. I, I mean, I, I want to see some reviews. You know, those like reviews they put in Kickstarter videos where people are like, this is amazing or whatever. I want to see a video of someone talking about it and giving me a real description of what this is like. I feel like we're bashing everybody. I feel so bad this, this episode. It's going to be like the episode where everybody says, well, pff, enough of them. We're done. I, I'll fight everybody. <laughs> uh, so Ray, Rising Sun, I'm sure if you're into three player games, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to love this one. <laughs> There's no reason not to count on this to be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be. Maybe Matt will buy it. Oh, no, wait. He doesn't buy games. That's right. He buys Legos. That's right. <laughs> All right. Jay jumps in next and says he would, uh, he's, he'd have to say he's most looking forward to Gloomhaven. See? Right. That's, that's, he's one of everybody. You're right. No, that was Massive Darkness that I said that about. <laughs> okay, never mind. Then uh, he says, how could he not be excited for Evil Dead 2? I don't know. Said, how could you not? He said, yes, I know it will probably not be great, but the minis of Ash, how can you say no? It might be great. Now, I'm going to tell you that I backed Evil Dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Uh, so it's paid for. <laughs> Good. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, <clears throat> I don't have high hopes for the gameplay. Why? I just I really don't. I think it's I think it's cool and I think it's fun that the, it's Evil Dead, but they didn't really give much information about what's going on in the game. Maybe that's a good thing. I think they really jumped in there and said, "Look, we know there's lots of Evil Dead fans online, and we're going to try to get them to pay us money." Right. These are the guys who make the comic book of Evil Dead. So I mean, I have no idea if it's going to be good or not. Well, it means that it's close to their hearts. <laughs> it looks okay. I have high hopes. Do you really? Yeah. Um, I have really been wanting to play this, though, ever since we <laughs> bought the... And <clears throat> not you and I. Whenever, I. whenever I was in this one band, we used to have band nights where we would do anything but play music together. Just to try to, like, you know, keep relationships Team building going. exercises. Yeah, it was a team building exercise. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We might go to the movies together. Which band? We, chum. Okay. <laughs> Don't listen, everybody. <laughs> the... Uh, in that band, we used to have like team building exercises where we would do stuff other than work on songs and play live shows. So we, in one case, we we played a board game called Army of Darkness. We went out and bought it, and I shared the cost with the drummer, and I never got to keep the game. Of course, what half my half my money goes into this board game of who of which I'm a huge fan of board games, and the guy who doesn't even probably play board games at all, he's probably gets sold to it at this point, throwing it away. Yeah, he's a collector guy. At this point, he always was. Hmm. But he gets to keep it. Um, not that him. that game was that good. It really was just kind of average. Um, but, you know. But still, it would have been I, fun I to would, have. I, I mean, I would like to have another game of it. Or another Evil Dead game at this right. point. Okay. <clears throat> Daniel says Massive Darkness See? and Gloomhaven are aw- as the awesome looking huge games that he probably will never actually get to play. <laughs> I'm going to say, it truly, to everyone listening, bang for the buck. I'm leaning towards Gloomhaven. 
But for a sheer avalanche of plastic, I would just go for Massive Darkness. Mm -hmm. If you're into a schlocky game that you can just pick up, chuck dice, throw a lot of miniatures around, and get out of it, Go massive darkness. Mm-hmm. If you want a, you want to get a group together every week and experience this big game, and you know have this, I think d- more dense experience. You probably want to go Gloomhaven. That's just how it is. Okay. Um, he also said Caravan, as it's probably a solid, fun, smaller game that he'll actually get to play. And I'd say, why not? It's a game. It seems like that uh, if it's like a Splendor game, it's that kind of game that that you can bring out to people who are brand new to the hobby. And you could teach them really quickly, and which it's, is always a plus. And it's a it's an in and out that has just you know just walks up to that line of starting to get complex and stops right there at the line with its toes right there on the edge, and then just lets you play the game for forty five minutes and have a good time. Okay, so there you go. Uh, Jeff pops in then and says, uh, "Near and Far," a sequel to Above and Below with a crossover characters uh, similar to how you could use Islebound characters in Above and Below, but with different gameplay mechanics. By the way, if you haven't played Islebound, play that too, he says. We still need to play that. Well, we, don't, we didn't get it. We didn't. Nope. It was on our Christmas list and nobody paid attention. Right. That was part of our sneaky Christmas list. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Matt listens, should we even tell? <laughs> no. So we had a theory. No, no. We have to now. <laughs> Cat bag out of it. Oh, no. So... <laughs> Every year, people call us and each other and and ask us what we should get for the other person. Right. Which is kind of rude. Don't you know us at all? Well, here's the deal. No. <laughs> I come up with a list for Nicole that's very much Nicole, and it can't be joint gifts. It has to be something that only she wants, not the two of us. Right. And, it, and it, I struggle to get, like, five answers to that question of what Nicole would like. Right. And, and same for me with and Fred. And in, in two phone calls, I'll give away almost all of it. Right. So we decided that between the two of us, we would come up with a list that we would jointly want. <laughs> that other people just, could buy for us. And up front, apply this list and say, if people call for me, you tell them this, 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 or this. If people call for you, I'll tell you, I'll tell them this, 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 or this. And we went even so far as to say, this person calls, we tell them this or this for you, this or this <laughs> for me. <laughs> and it worked out pretty good. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I was pleased. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't have to rebuy any gifts or rethink my list at all. It went really smooth. Yeah. <laughs> good strategy. We're horrible call. people. Oh, that was terrible. One more. Terrible at this. There we go. There. That hurt. <laughs> anyway. That was a terrible high five. Uh, we looked at this. But anyhow, uh, for those of you listening at home, you should try it. <laughs> yeah. We looked at near and, uh, near and Far. We actually got to hold the map book in our hand. Yeah. And the map book is like, uh, it, it, I think that's the board you play on, if you can believe it. Oh. Uh, when you open up the maps, you're playing on that map, and there's a whole book full of these maps. And um, it, it looks pretty neat. Um, well, it had the adventure book thing again, didn't it? Yes, it still has an yeah. adventure book. So you're going to be going to these random adventure uh, entries into this big you know, bound notebook of, of adventures. Right. And that's always cool. <laughs> when I, I say like adventures, that. I mean, there's hundreds of entries into this thing probably. And, and uh, each player will gather a group of adventurers and explore several different maps, collecting stories to become the more, most storied adventurers. So, I mean, it's, it seems really simple and really uh, just like a fun theme. Right. Uh, and every game's stories will be different. So because there's so many entries and, the, and they, how they collect together, the, the story that you'll have of your adventurers will be really fun to tell at the end of it. You know? Right. Pretty cool. I like it. Uh, Islebound, we talked about it in our Gen, Gen Con wrap-up. You're still, talking near and far. 
I'm sorry, I'm talking about Islebound now. Oh, sorry. We talked about that in our Gen Con wrap-up uh, a few episodes ago, and it, it still looks cool. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with that. It looks, mm-hmm. it looks like a pretty fun game, too. <clears throat> um, Santorini. I've seen quite a few pictures of this right. on uh, Instagram lately. Right. <laughs> he says, though this one might be too abstract for your playthroughs, it is really pretty, and the god cards give you a nice role-play opportunity. Um, I don't think it looks bad. uh, Everyone's really buzzing about it being fun. Yeah. (laughs) The production looks really cool. Uh, It's it's Santorini, I think it's a real city. And and it's like, if you look at the pictures of it, there's like this rocky kind of coastline and these, this real, like, uh, you know, alabaster kind of, you know, you know, white marble kind of look to it, you know? Uh And uh, it sort of builds up sheer off of these rocky, you know, shorelines. And this thing comes with a base that's like a rocky base. And you build, it's like got a grid system. And you build little buildings all over the top of this little rocky base. Right. And you do this by, it's it's funny because the, I almost kickstarted this. But I, it was just an abstract. And I was just kind of like, eh, how much Kickstarter flair could there be in an abstract? And the truth was, not a ton. But there was some. The, uh, this is what's cool about it. You have like a bunch of little miniatures, once again, in that sort of chibi style. But they're just, they're, they're just generic little builder god guys. And they have, each one of them has their own little abilities. But the base game is real simple how you do stuff. You get to move every turn. You get to move a space. Uh, you can move one space, your builder, one space. And it's orthogonally, I think. But I think you can move diagonally in that game, too. doesn't matter. <laughs> After moving, you get to build a level of a building in an adjacent space. <laughs> If you okay. build over the third level, like hitting the fourth level, you will put a cap on top of the buildings that you've stacked up. The whole point of the game is to get your worker to reach the top level of uh, a building, like or a third space of a building, and you'll win. Huh. It's that simple. So it plays really quick. It plays in like 15 minutes, and you've got this. It's, it's just a gorgeous, you know, little set of pieces and stuff, and you build this little city and climb your little guys up. It's hmm. fun. Okay. <laughs> Looks cool. That's Santorini. Uh, he also likes Fable Fruit, and he says it's a campaign-styled get card game. And he said Game Night, which I think is the Board Game Geek series, did a play, and it looks compelling. See the video here. He says, but not I'm not going to watch it's... it here. Um, this is a. <laughs> I'm going to say this is a younger themed game with a worker placement and set collection mechanism. It has a legacy-like feature, and they claim this uh, that allows you to. Uh, continue the game from game to game while playing it. Uh, like and it changing can, it? While changing it, yes. Yeah. So you keep, okay. you, keep, you keep your set of cards. And the way it works like that is that you've got these 50 or so cards with actions on them and a purchase price <coughs> to buy them as fabled fruit. So it's like one of those kind of cards where you've got this, this action that if you put your guy on it, you only have one worker in this game. If you put your worker on this card, you get the effect of the card. If you decide to pay fruit cards out of your hand which you generate from taking different actions on these uh, fruit cards on the table these different cards on the table you can flip the card over and take it as a fabled fruit okay okay and i think you're trying to get the most fabled fruit or something like that Uh, once you get enough fruit you buy the action card once a certain number number of fabled fruit is reached the game ends the legacy part is these revealed stacks of actions there's like 50 something actions that action different action cards in this deck of cards 
and there's multiple copies of each one. And as they kind of come out, you'll replace them with other cards from the deck, which might change which actions are available in the next game. And then you continue playing the next game, running those cards out. If you draw the same one again, you place it back onto the stack. When you change it into a Fable Fruit, you flip that card over and you replace it from another card from the stack. Okay. So you end up with this different kind of action space selection every game. And you basically just play until you run out the deck. That's that's this campaign style. Hmm. And you're just playing the Fable to Fruit thing. So there you go. That's okay. Fable to Fruit. Looks Okay. They, I can't remember what they called it. They called it something else other than legacy. Doesn't I think it's like a fable. So they called it like the fable uh, system or something like that. They're branding their own system. <clears throat> yeah. Eh, Are you sure okay. that's what they did? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure. <laughs> so the next thing is he's got an orac- the Oracle of Delphi. Uh, it's a Newfeld game, Ooh. Uh, and he loves the theme. There's a theme. <clears throat> Well, I don't know what the theme was, really. I really didn't pick up on what that was, but here's what it is, technically. This is a pick-up-and-deliver action point allowance game. Uh, It has a grid of little sea spaces, and you have little ships, and you're sailing them around. Uh, You get to consult oracles by rolling dice. Uh, And yes, it's a Feld game. And yes, the game looks really nice on the table, uh, as it is a Feld game, truly you won't know how well the mechanics jive with the theme until you play it, to be honest. I like the Oracle part of it. You roll the dice. Yeah, and the Oracle the will tell Oracle. you like where to go or whatever. That's cool. That's a theme right there. Okay. You're well, there just... you go. Hmm. <laughs> it's a new Feld game. I mean, honestly, you, you yeah. just kind of... What I do with Feld games is what I always do, which is... A new Feld game comes out, you let the initial release of it come out, and the reprint comes out right afterwards, and then you look at all the reviews, and if everybody loves it, you buy it, and if they don't, you don't. <laughs> or we get it, just never play it. Yeah, I know, like yours. What? What? I keep trying to get my games to the table. i got a right. couple of them. Anyhow. Right. Uh, so that's the last of our guild list. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. We need to start, before we give our list of what we're looking forward to in 2017, we need to go back and look forward to what we were looking forward to in 2016 and just see how we handled that. It'll be fun. Oh, crap. Do you remember? I, I don't know if I have my notes. Oh, Hold this on. is unbelievable. Was that one of the things I was supposed to have ready? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, hey, I found it. Okay. Okay. Um, I had six, actually, on my list. And I only had four, which made ten, so it worked. (laughs) Right. I'll go through my first two, and then we'll jump in with yours, okay? Okay. Uh, Number six was The Other's Seven Sins. I got it, and I played it, and I liked it. It was cool. It's a fun, uh, it's a one versus mini game. One of you has to play a game master kind of person who plays the evil. In this game, the coolest part about it is the sci-fi demon, you know, apocalypse theme, and that the... As the, as the game master, you really get to go at the players or, you know, as hard as you can or you'll lose the game. Right. Uh, number five for me, I said I, I was excited because Gale Force 9 had announced a D&D deck builder. Right. And I was, like, really excited going, oh, my goodness, hopefully this gives Thunderstone a run for its money and takes into account that kind of stuff. Turns out that that's not what it was like at all. This was the Tyrants of the Underdark game is what surfaced from this. I didn't even know that that's what it was because I'd seen that a couple times and and thought, why didn't we get that game? Uh, I just, eh. Eh? 
it wasn't anything like what I wanted. That why. was even in my notes. What happened? Uh, this game was much like, <laughs> much like sort of a smash up area control game set a, set in the Dark Elf Kingdom. Oh. So you have de- different decks or different faction decks, and you shuffle like three of them together, and that makes your deck that you're going to use during the game. I mean, it's probably like a trade-worthy game for me. I mean, it's something that I would trade off, like, let's say, Imperial Settlers <laughs> for this game. Anybody? No, the, uh, Anybody? <laughs> I'm not really seeking this out, but if if it came up in a trade, I'd probably do it. Okay. So, your number four. Go ahead. What was your number four from 2016? My number four was uh, the Scoville expansion in the lab. <laughs> right, we got we that. Which we did get and we did play. Did you like it? I did. I really liked it. I liked it, too. Yeah, it, it seemed to... Um, it seemed to help the game. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd want to play it again without it. I mean, you could play the game without it, but n- that we right. have it, I don't think I would. Right. Um, it just made it a little easier to kind of get some of the right. different peppers <clears throat> and, and made it a little more fun to be able to, because you could get more of the peppers, mm-hmm. you could get more of the chilies and the... It's it's one of those, like, expansions that looks small and, like, you like it might not be that important, but it... It truly does add a lot. It, it reminded me of like uh, it's kind of deceptive in size because it reminded me of like the river from uh, oh what you call it Carcassonne. Carcassonne, yeah. Hey, hey, remember the river expansion? How it adds like a bunch of extra spaces to build next to and stuff, and it kind of starts your map for you. Right, makes the game way cooler. Yeah, I, I really like the river expansion. It's not that important, but it feels kind of hollow without it. Right, that's how this was. Well, um, I don't think Scoville was hollow without it. I really enjoyed it. By the way. <laughs> Now that you know that it exists, it feels hollow without it. Okay, yes. Fine. Um, point proven. I was excited about the myth Kickstarter. I've got my, ha- like, half of it. <laughs> Ridiculous. I got I got all the stuff that they promised in the Kickstarter, but none of the stretch goals yet, or the extra stuff they promised is coming into September. So Next September? This coming September. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> this is January right now. <laughs> January. I know. And, and the I think it's the, is it the two-year anniversary? I think it is the two-year anniversary since I kickstarted it is like this March. Ugh. So it's going to take them over two years to deliver all Thanks, the stuff. Thanks, Kickstarter. Uh, but guess what? There'll be a ton of stuff. Later on oh, this fantastic. year, there will be a like lead weight sized <laughs> box. It'll be 10 tons of miniatures. And FedEx thanks you. <laughs> right. You're number three from 2016. Oh, this one's a little awkward. Quadropolis. Yeah. I didn't even remember that it was on my list, but then right. it got like everybody really enjoyed it. Yeah. And in the end, I got it for Brianna. Well, there you go. But I got it because she said she's always trying to find things that they can play like as a family. And right. I've heard such good things about um, it could be played easier level right. or harder level mm-hmm. and that the whole family would enjoy it. Well, there you it, go, so. Matt. Make sure Brianna knows but she it was got on my one list. of uh, Nicole's. Most look was, forward to games of the year. So maybe I'll get to play it someday. I don't know. <laughs> My number three, this will make you mad as well, was Arcadia Quest Inferno. I'm still waiting for that Kickstarter to come in. <laughs> it comes in next month. <laughs> you guys can see the look on my face. Ridiculous. <laughs> what? All right. Keep going. What do you got? My number two? Yeah. My number two was Bear Valley. And because it was on my list, I decided, you know what? That's just a cheap little game. I'm just going to go ahead and buy it. So I did. And I haven't played it yet because it just came like a couple days ago. Right. And you haven't been home enough. Right. But the funny thing is, is if you type (laughs) in Bear Valley into Amazon, you get the uh, whole line of T.S. Joyce book 
series, The Bear Valley Shifters. Oh, I love Bear Valley Shifters. (laughs) (laughs) You say that. Um, It's just just like all these romance books, apparently, with these big, hunky guys on the cover. Every guy is hairy in that book. No, 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 no. None of them are hairy. They're not bears? No, they're not hairy at all. I thought we were talking about that kind of bear. That clean-shaven, lathered, not lathered, but a... Man boy? What's that? Yeah. (laughs) The, yeah. So... (laughs) Well, there you go. Anyway, (laughs) but I got the game, not the book. Right. Bear Valley. Romantic. And eventually we'll play it. Romantic game. It looks kind of fun. Although the one thing I will say, I don't think it is. Although you're stuck in the woods and trying to get out. So depends on where you put that tent. But no, my point was. Or which one of those shows up. It's this little tiny box. Yeah. But it looks like it plays really, really big. You've got like all these little tiles that you have to put out to try and get from your starting point to the ending point. Right. And it just gets, it looks like it's huge. Like, I don't, I don't know that it'd be a good lunchtime or portable game because it takes up too big a playing space from what I can tell. Okay. Uh, I, I, my number two was Scythe. And there's something wrong with us because we got this in August and we still haven't played it yet. I know. What is wrong with us? It's you. You were off for two weeks. I tried to play it with you. No, you did not. Every day, remember? No, it was never down here. It was never on the table. It was never put together and you still don't know how to play it. I had a job to go to. How dare you? I still do. I still have a job to go to. <laughs> I do too. So. Scythe was my number two. Okay. What's your number one? My number one was Castles of Burgundy, the card game. Yeah. Which we have. Right. And I still have not gotten to play. You played it without me. We talked about playing it yesterday, but we didn't quite get to it. Mm-mm. So, oh well. My number one that I was looking I was forward to salsa. was Star Trek Frontiers, and I got that at Gen Con on the discount pile at Ghoul cool Stuff Inc. And we haven't um, played it. We set it up to I set it up to play together, and I put it out on the table, and then I ran out of time and put it away. And <laughs> <laughs> so this just goes to prove that even if we're excited about it, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right, but this is like another one of those things where I I did run into like everybody kept saying, oh well, it's just like playing Mage Mage Knight. Well, you and I had just played Mage Knight, and I was like, I need to jump on this game now because I I, I don't want to wait and, and, and forget. forget the rules again. Right. This is not exactly like Mage Knight. So that's that's well, of course an it's not. Assessment. Otherwise it'd be Mage Knight the Space version. <laughs> right. And it's not Mage Knight the, the Space Space Knight. Right. It's not Space Knight or Space Ace. Space Ace. <laughs> <laughs> and Mage Knight's not Dragon's Lair. No. Um, so, anyways. Oh, my gosh. That's a good comparison. <laughs> hey. The <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nicole. Let's talk about 2017. Now, I know you came up with five. I came up with five. Now, I'm a jerk, and I came whoop, up with seven. What a jerk. Ah, <laughs> seven. I, just, I don't know if I put these in any certain order, though. Mine never are. I don't think I did, because <clears throat> I know which one would be number one. And I know one I could probably cancel, but I'm kind of excited about it. Let's just start with one I think I could cancel, but I'm kind of excited about. And that is the Dresden Files cooperative card game. What? Do you know about the Dresden Files? Heard of it. I know it's a series of books that people got real <laughs> excited about, and right. I never it's cared. It's sort of this detective noir supernatural investigation. Who wrote thing. that? Was it Jim Butcher? I think so. Jim Butcher came <clears throat> to the bookstore, and I wasn't there that day. Right. I was never there when the authors came. Too I bad. wasn't there whenever uh, Bruce Campbell came. 
right. doing his uh, If Chins Could Kill. And I was on vacation. We were out of town. I got that book. It's I know. signed. <laughs> well, it, I, yeah, they got me a signed copy of it, but, right. well, but we I, didn't that, get to meet him. Uh, the Dresden Files cooperative card game might be fun, might not. Don't With all, all this stuff on my list, do not expect a lot of this stuff to be perfect or great. I mean, it, a lot of it may flop. This is just something that caught my attention and made me go, ooh, maybe. So Dresden Files cooperative card game. Kind of caught my eye and made me go, ooh, maybe. Okay. okay. Uh, next. The next thing, <laughs> um, probably that Charterstone game. It seemed pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Which one was that again? Can't remember. That was the one <laughs> with that guy talking about the stuff. What? Where is it? I have no idea. Where are your notes? I don't know. It's hard to find the, the Charterstone. Mm-hmm. Charterstone. Kind of excited about it. It looked pretty cool. And oh, that was the legacy one. That yeah, is if right. it's two players, I'm totally I'm all about that. I'll now, do it. that only popped on my list because it was on one of our guild members lists. Right. I didn't even I try to stay away from that. Okay. So we're starting now at my number five. Okay. Number five that I'm excited for. And this is a game that came out a couple years ago, but is getting finally, I think, a printing in the United States. It had a really limited run with some English uh, you know, rules overseas. But never came out here. In fact, I only saw it in the Cool Stuff store for like, uh, and I'm not even kidding, like an hour. Okay. It basically popped on, sold out the, the 20 copies or whatever they got, and it was done. And that's Carnival Zombie. Oh. Now, Carnival Zombie yeah. is a zombie survival, modern day zombie survival game. And you kill tons of zombies in this game. You just do. But the neat thing they do in this is they have this weird thing where the zombies you face each turn, you're adding zombies to this little pile like board, this little tile that you pile zombies on. And the zombies, you you drop them from a, a height of like four inches onto this pile. And whatever spills off of the tile is what you have to face that turn in the night phase. Oh, wow. Isn't that fun? That's kind of cool. And the new version has updated it from cubes to little zombie meeple kind of guys or something like that. And Uh I mean, it just, um, I mean, I I think that this, this game's coming out this year in the, in English. And and I think I'm looking forward to it. I'd actually, you'd mentioned that once before and I actually looked for it for Christmas and it was like a bazillion dollars. And I was like, no. Right. Well, it's getting, it's, it's been a couple of years, two or three years since that first run in in Europe. And I think they're going to get a United States distribution this year. And that's Carnival Zombie. All right. I'm telling you, you can get, like, Gatling guns and mow down zombies in this game. (laughs) Fun. Carnival Zombie. Number five. Um, My number five would be, it's an expansion, actually, for a game that we already have. Okay. Steam Park. Play Dirty Expansion. Ooh. Yeah. Does that mean you get to attack each other now? Kind of. Sounds um, like it. It's two to five players, 30 to 60 minutes, um, but it adds new characters, new rides that you can add on to the current rides. Oh. And then it has a espionage dice so you can copy other players' actions. Hmm. I thought that sounded kind of fun. I like that game, though. But it, it does make it, because like right now, I think it's just a two to four player game. That's it. And it adds a fifth player, but not that we care about that so much. Right. But still. <clears throat> Sounds fun. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a fun little game, but it's, you know... I can't imagine playing it a bunch of times in a row. So right. an expansion would be just kind of a nice bring it back to life kind of thing. <clears throat> this is one of these weird games that that even though this is one that we don't have a hard time getting back to the table. Yeah. That we'll look at it. We'll be going through the shelves with other people. And for some reason, this game will come out. Right. And it's not that hard to teach. 
No, it's so, not at all. It's easy to teach. And it's pretty fun. Yeah. So anyways, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think my next one would probably be, hmm, got to decide here. My number four would be Fog of Love. <clears throat> Didn't you kickstart that like Fog a of year Love ago? Is a ki- <sighs> Stop it. Fog of Love is going to be in, uh, I don't know when. It's it said February, but just in time for Valentine's. No, it's not. It's not. It's going to be after because oh, they they just started boo. talking the other day about approving the art files. Was my latest Kickstarter update where approving they're like approving them, like as in as in they're like getting ready to start printing. And once they start okay. printing, then they have to put stuff together. Then it takes a few weeks to get it nah, in. Blah, then they have to distribute blah, blah, blah. it. So. I mean, we are talking, we're probably talking before summer, but I wouldn't count on it before Gen Con, really. Ridiculous. <laughs> but that is coming in this year. This is a romantic comedy game. Uh-huh. You play a romantic comedy, and I don't, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't know much about how the game plays. <clears throat> but it sounds different. I actually bought this because of theme. Right. Because I thought, you know, you got, you look at your collection, and you look at all the movie genres and stuff. That are in there, and they're all like this sort of action, <clears throat> you know, maybe investigation thing. I mean, honestly, farming's not a movie theme. So you can. <laughs> oh, now I gotta think of a farming movie. <laughs> oh, give it your best shot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's way too hard. There might be farming as a background, but that's not the Charlotte's focus. Charlotte's Web? No. There was a farm in that movie. Right. That's that's the best I got. <laughs> you got nothing. <laughs> the uh, Fog of Love is a romantic comedy movie, and it's got a bunch of missions that you set them up differently, and they've really thought them out, as far as I can tell in the notes and the designer notes and stuff. They've really thought out how each of them can change the game up so that you play a different sort of romantic comedy every time. But they've really approached the genre as a whole in a fun way, and most of the reviews from like you know trusted reviewers that have got the inside track on this are really solid. Yeah. So that's Fog of Love. What were you at? Four? That's my number four. Oh, okay. Okay. What's your number three? Um, are we at three? Yes. Did I do four? Maybe I only have... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I still got three well, Whatever. Left. I've got four left. I have four left. Okay, you're number four. No, I have three left. Number I don't three. know. Anyhow, math is hard. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> I'm scrolling through my phone, okay? Okay. So... My whatever number is Tomb Trader. It's level 99 games. So this has Laura Croft in it? It does not. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. If you try and look up Tomb Trader on right. uh, just like as a Yahoo search or something. Right. Man, that thing does not work. All it kept giving me was Tomb Raider. And I'm like, no. Yes. Did I ask you to complete, like fix my spelling? Yes, no, I did not. You did. I even tried putting the little parentheses. Did not work. Okay. But all in all... The thing that I don't like about this is Uh-oh. it is a three to six player game. Yeah. I know. However, it's only a five to ten minute game. Weird. I know. Um, you play it over about six to seven rounds. Um, there's like a tomb, obviously, Tomb Trader. Right. And everybody has to pick a section of the tomb. Right. And then everybody in the same section has one minute to divide up whatever loot they found. And if you don't agree within that time limit, then nobody gets anything. Hmm. And then at the end of the rounds, whoever had the most wins. Seemed kind of like a cash and guns kind of right. thing without the threats. So maybe your mom wouldn't be scared to play it. <laughs> Put your gun down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's five to ten minutes. I mean, right. that's easy. That's easily digestible. I thought it'd be a really good lunchtime game for you, too. 
Maybe. So, and a, and a good just in-between palate cleanse kind right. of thing. Tomb Trader. Sounded kind of neat. Here's one I kind of want. Now, I don't know if it's coming out in 2017, but the hint was dropped, even though it doesn't have a BGG entry. The what? guy who designed the game Thunder Alley, the NASCAR racing game. Okay. That, that was supposed to be really good. I never played it, but it's supposed to be really good. And he, he said that he was working on Apocalypse Road. Oh, so is it like guns I th- and racing? Now, I think it's I think it's car combat racing, the board game. Yeah. Which is like my favorite genre of video game. I know, and they don't hardly make any of those games. <laughs> they make none of them. Yeah, racing? They never do racing. They just do... Well, what was that? Here's Not, a big sandbox, kill each other. It was a road rash. It was... Uh, was it Road Rash? You road, can actually... Road Rash, you can hit each other, but you're not really trying to kill each other. I like was, the ones... What was the one where you could actually upgrade <coughs> your car and I can't remember. Other. There was one on the 3DO that I played a lot. Yeah. But my favorite ever... Not that ever, anybody ever played the 3DO. My favorite ever was this one that was a long time ago, and, and they did a re- re-release of it on the Xbox 360 Marketplace, but it was called Death Track. Yeah. Where you had like... <laughs> It's just so cool. You could upgrade your missile launcher and your machine guns and your laser cannons. And Do you know why that's not a very popular genre? Why? It takes way too much coordination. It's so much I fun. can't move and shoot at the same time. I can. I know. You're amazing. I win all those races and I love it. I no, know. the one that was on the 3DO was, was so cool because you could get a black market gun. I, just, I, I don't know. I don't even, I'm just going so far off a of track here because, I mean, honestly... You get the dragon twin laser from a black market guy, and he had, you had to save money up till you had that money and just keep it. Just don't ever spend that money because if he offers you the dragon twin laser, you could kill every competition car. Everybody, like the, you'll start with ten guys against you in the race, and all of them are dead at the end of the race. Right. You loved it. <laughs> I love that game so much. You're gonna but go play three D O after this. Apocalypse aren't you? Road. If, I mean, this guy. This guy has a track record of doing good racing games. Yeah. I, I would I would absolutely adore it. Okay. Apocalypse Road. That's my number three. I'm that that's completely up in the air. This may be this may never come to light because the designer just dropped it to someone casually on the street. Huh. That's that's literally how the information got out there. Weird. Apocalypse Road. You're hoping for it. Oh, I want it so Fingers bad. Fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> as long as it's racing. I don't want to just fight people, okay? Right. We've got that. It's called car wars. I don't want it. Okay. Okay. There has to be a race involved. Right. Weirdo. Number two. Castles of Caladale. Hmm. It's renegade games. Hmm. Um, one to four players. Takes right. about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's like a, it's a tile laying game. Apparently that your, your town and castle's been destroyed. And then, so you're playing these tiles out, uh, trying to build the largest and most complete castle. Mm-hmm. It looks kind of like a Carcassonne kind of game. Oh. Only just focusing on your castle. Okay. Trying to make it the most complete. They have a Carcassonne game called The Castle. Okay, well then I don't know. (laughs) You don't know. It looked okay. The artwork (laughs) looked nice. Right. So, maybe. That is fine. My number two is First Martians. I want that. Oh, that's the Robinson. Right. Robinson Caruso. Sorry. Gilligan. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I, I want it. I think it'll be fun. Everybody's going to have that song going through their head for like the next three days, and they're going to curse my name every time. Uh, I think it'll be fun because I still think that the base survival game that he designed in Robinson Crusoe is a great game. I think the missions are varied. 
you know, results will vary. Yeah. Everything in the first based game, though, I, all the missions in there I enjoyed. Right. It was when you added in that stupid beagle thing. Right. That it ruined it. Right. And I'm hoping that he doesn't no go beagles. that direction with First Martians. But that's my number two. What's your most look forward to game? I have two of them still. How? I don't know. You screwed Just do up. two. You did. I'm going to do two because we do not want to leave <coughs> you with my number one. We just don't. But anyhow, okay. so I'm going to do two in a row. My okay. my number two yes. is Escape from 1 million BC. 100 million BC. That sounds awesome already. I'm already in. It's by IDW Games. Okay. I don't know who that is. It's They're a okay. one to six player game, 60 to 90 minutes. And you're time travelers, basically. Yes, I love it already. And your your ship is broken. Yes. You have to fix your ship, but uh-huh. you also have to go to alternate timelines to fix stuff, present stuff from happening. And you have to, uh, like, avoid dinosaurs and things. That sounds fun. Before the volcano blows up. Right. And kills you all. It sounds fun. Doesn't it sound amazing? Yes. Sounds fun. I know. What's your number one? It's This is just to make you angry. You're, you're, you've already done that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go. <laughs> They're bringing out drinking flux. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what you're looking... I'm not buying that. Oh, it's so it's so funny. You hate Flux so much. Oh, it's not even a game. It's I'm, an activity. It's I like, know, exactly. It's like, let's put this puzzle together. Just like Cards Against Humanity is not a game. It's an activity. But I guarantee you say, we're going to play Drinking Flux tonight. And people are like, I'll be over at seven. Well, not like Matt and Brianna. I don't, I, but why like are any you of my looking work forward to it? I'm not. I just thought it was hysterical. You're not getting that game. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversations <laughs> about it. Okay. No, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to play it. But okay, well, I bet it actually does. Here's one that should have been well. on your list. You ready shockingly for, you well. You ready for my number one that was not on your list, and you're just silly. Of course, Thunderstone Third Edition. No, that I didn't even put that on my list because that <laughs> doesn't even edition. need to be on a third list. Third edition. That is just a given. Third. third edition. I don't even need to look forward to that as a 2017. That's just something that oh, this is out. Okay, get it, buy it, kickstart it, whatever you have to do. So you're not looking forward to playing it at all? Of course I am. It just okay, doesn't even. It, would it be your number one? If you nobody were even needed to put there? that on a list, it's just that's the, my number it's one. It's going to be awesome. It's it's so thunderstorm. But I also don't know exactly when it's coming out. <clears throat> Hasn't even kickstarted yet. Exactly. So I can't have it <laughs> oh, on my list. No high five. Oh, one. No, oh, oh, there was another game that I was that I was thinking I was going to be looking forward to. All I saw was like a little brief description online wow. that wow. uh something something crap. Something crap. No, I had it from IDW Games. No, it was not. It was <laughs> Rattlebox. It was Rattlebox Games. Something crap is coming from it's Rattlebox. Not game. Something crap. I can't remember. Something wakes in the. Foot forest? Something is it the forest or the woods? Something wakes in the forest. Something wakes in the forest. Right? Yeah, probably not coming out until 2018. Oh, Brenda. Just sounded neat. Sounded She's cool. So I was I'm very in disappointed in that. <laughs> and if it's kickstarted, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> What's the stretch goal is gonna be, Brenda? <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, that almost made my list, but no. <clears throat> well, there you go. That is our 2017 list. We'll make next year's list. Yes. Now, I believe there is a bright future for board games coming up. And I also know that the adventure of doing this podcast has finally landed us on a Star Trek game. Oh, no. So let's find out what about that, (laughs) Nicole. All these games have been games. Some of them are so extreme. We played a game like this. What a 
All right, Nicole. Yes, Fred. Now, most people know the story of Star Trek. In the 1960s, a nerd named Gene Roddenberry wrote a pilot <laughs> to do a wagon train, uh, the, do wagon, wagon train, train in space, is oh. what he said. Now, he really actually said that it was based on Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> and that it had nothing to do with with the wagon train. Isn't he the one that ended up on the little island with the tiny people? Yes. How is it based on uh, that? No, no, no. Captain Kirk's not even that big. Just don't worry about it. There were more than one travel. There's travels. Hmm. <clears throat> okay, so uh, this was a television show set in the future, uh, the 23rd century, actually. And Roddenberry's vision was sort of uh, that humanity had had kind of... You know, become, you know, all races are cons- are considered equal. There's no, you know, there's no need for food anymore. They've got that under control. And now they're sort of going out. There's nothing out. to fight over if you don't have to fight <clears throat> over food. Right. And, and this this was very, a, a very anti-war kind of culture. Um, and, and they sort of push science and understanding above pretty much everything else. Okay. Right. That's what Star Trek is, is, is like this sort of like exploration to discover more. And because space is the final frontier. Star Trek talk can truly go on for days. It really can. We're not going to let it. There's right tons now. of them. No, okay. but we're going to do this fast. So I'm just going to do <laughs> so because we're already an hour and 20 minutes into Holy this. Holy moly. I'm going to do some interesting Star Trek facts. Okay. Okay. Let's just knock them out because I got five of them. Here we go. I know one of them. What? It was the first televised interracial kiss. That's not one of my facts, but that but is that true. That is true. I know that. And did you know that James Kirk, whenever they were doing, not James Kirk, but William Shatner, whenever they kept doing the scene, he get, they kept trying to avoid him doing the scene. And every time they did the scene where they kissed, and then they said, let's do another take where you don't kiss and see if the television network would like that version instead. And they flubbed their lines on purpose on every version of that other than the one where they kissed. He was so just wanting to make out. Use. No, he had already made out. <laughs> I'm just out. teasing. They had already made out. That's it wasn't really like cool. he was going to make out again. He just yeah. said, no, this is happening. Right. And it was really important to the both of them. So that's a cool story. See? Okay. So that's the number six. Ha-ha. Okay. Number one, did you know that teleportation on the show, even though it was really captivating that they can disassemble a body down to a molecular level and then reassemble it somewhere else, that is a budget decision. That had nothing to do with the actual writing of the show. Why? Because they were going to have to to show a spaceship land on a planet every time they wanted to land on a planet. So and they instead, just they could just teleport. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> that That's a real thing. They did that as a budget concern huh. or a budget uh, attempt at reducing costs. Okay. So that, that's something Very that's simple, right? I like that. Uh, the second thing is, uh, you probably don't know this now, that in today's cinema, we, we talk about practical effects and CG effects all the time. Did you know that the first CG effect in cinema history was the Genesis device in Wrath of Khan? The I don't company know. that did it would later become Pixar. Ooh. So there you go. Is They're that interesting? Fancy. Right. I don't know what happened in that one. <clears throat> the Genesis device, um, they launch... Spock's dead body. I'm ruining. <laughs> I am ruining Star Spoiler Trek. alert. Just, just fast forward 30 seconds when I say they jettison Spock's dead body down on this planet that has no kind of life at all. It's more like Mars or something like that. They launch this device that's a planet seeding device called the Genesis device onto the planet. It explodes onto the planet and creates greenery and oceans and water and stuff like that oh. and actually rebirths Spock. So, okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, I've seen it. It's just been a really long time, and I couldn't remember. Right. So I just spoiled a lot of Star Trek. In fact, the search for Spock and 
Wrath of Khan to ending for everybody. Oops. <laughs> so <laughs> that little wait, wait, Genesis let me, let, me, let me say that again. Oops. You're right. Okay. No, I, I warned everybody and said go thirty <laughs> After seconds you said forward it. <laughs> and said it really fast. Okay, so they're probably just jumping in now. Okay. Okay. So uh, here's another one. Okay, a couple of good ones. You know, up up front now. But did you know this is something interesting? And and I I've, I've dropped this on a couple of people since I found this fact out. What James Doohan, who played Ooh. Scotty, okay, was missing his right middle or finger. He lost it on D-Day. Really? You never noticed this. I saw pictures online of him holding tribbles, and he's gotten, you know, a gap hand. <laughs> he's right? like anti-flipper-offer. And I think, I think it was because of, like, creative editing. I think that he, you know, because he was an engineering officer, most of the time when you saw him, he was in the teleportation room or the transporter room, and he was always had his hands down there behind the desk, you know? Huh. It was when you'd see him and stuff like that. Well, or or like, he might, like, hold his tr- communicator up, and it would be a medium shot, like, waist up. Communicator up, right hand down, out of frame, you know? You know? Well, think I'm about... I'm doing it got, Captain. Think about <laughs> Megan Fox. She's got the weird thumbs. Oh, those weird and they thumbs. And don't, they don't show those. I, I find those grosser than a missing finger. <laughs> That's not gross. It's just, just playing around, you weirdo. Mm. <laughs> so that was a good one, too. Okay, the, the thumbs are kind of gross. No one notices that. Like, I watched two and a half seasons, which is all that first series ran, and I did not see that. I never knew that. <clears throat> I mm. never saw it. Uh, so, also, here's a fourth one. Alexander Courage wrote the theme to Star Trek, and he, this is probably the most infamous one. And he made a deal that the first run and reruns would pay him royalties for the use of the theme. And now after a year, Gene Roddenberry cashed in on a handshake agreement the two had made that Gene might one day, mind you, write lyrics. Gene wrote lyrics, never recorded the song with them, but still laid claim to half the royalties from then on. Gene claimed that after a year, he was not making any money from the series and needed to cash in on that to make money. Weird. Needless to say that Courage never did any more music for Gene Roddenberry or the series ever again. He turned into the cowardly dog. He got so mad. That was a bad joke. (laughs) What a ripoff, right? That is a ripoff. Well, yeah, but I mean, all those older TV shows, they people got ripped off on on those things and older movies. I mean, they didn't know that they were there were going to be reruns and stuff anyway. Yeah. And yeah, well, there you go. That was one of them. Um, the last one, and this is this is in in you know today we're recording this on Martin Luther King Day. Oh, and we're coming up on Black History Month, so I thought right? I would save save this one for last, which is Martin Luther King loved Star Trek. He okay. loved it. Now, when he heard a rumor that Nichelle Nichols, a person we've seen in public but not paid the $50 to meet, uh, (laughs) the black actress who played the character Uhura Uhura, was leaving the show, he actually uh, met up with her at like a, a, a public event and actually went directly to her, asked to meet her, went directly up to her and said, I heard you were leaving the show. I need you to stay on the show. Yeah. And she said, and she was kind of an activist herself and said, I would rather not be on this show. I don't really like doing it that much. I'd rather be doing stuff like this, you know, because they were like an activist rally kind of thing. And he said, he said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. 
your show is the only show that my wife allows our kids to stay up and watch. Hmm. And the reason is, is because she was such a positive role model for black, you know, Americans. Because she had, she was a senior officer on the ship. Right. And she, you know, was, was, you know, in charge of people. Mm -hmm. And there she was on the deck of the ship running things. And uh, he said that, you know, he really wanted her to stay on there. And she actually stayed on the program only because of that. So, and this is off track a little bit. Right. Like... The meaner, uh, like Romulans and 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 what are those guys with the wrinkly heads? Klingons. Klingons. They were were they not a part of the original series at all? Was that all later? No, they were in the original series. Klingons were for sure, and so were Rom- Romulans. I think. I thought they did like lots of battles. weren't there lots of battles? Were there lot? There weren't any real battles. I okay. I'm gonna admit, I've seen several Star <coughs> Wars or Star Wars. Oh my god, Star, Star Trek. Trek episodes. <laughs> But not enough to, like, you know, consider myself a fan. Right. So was there not a lot of fighting? Because I thought they there were always... Was, I mean, honestly, the Enterprise was not like a, a real warship. Yeah, they were, like, all scientific and... Right, they, explore, were, they were like an exploration it. vessel. And so they, they would usually have to use cunning more often than not to get out of fights. They weren't going to roll into a fight like, you know... The big ship in in the galaxy and and push everybody around. Okay. Well, I just you know <laughs> the only reason I asked because you said that the uh, he like his wife would let the kids stay up and watch and the fighting. I was like, oh, really? Fighting? Maybe not. There wasn't that much fighting, honestly. Huh? Okay. They Makes would try to get then. out of it. To be quite honest, that's cool. But James Kirk would throw down with anybody. Well. <laughs> so that was a good one. That was uh, six now. Uh, of many Star Trek <laughs> stories. Uh, so let's do this game uh, at warp five speed, Nicole. <laughs> the following is a true recount of a board gaming session. It is not merely a conversation. It contains the actual sounds of components, success and failure, and in-the-moment emotions from the incident itself. The archivists of this audio would like to remind the faint of heart that the people involved are not rules experts, did not design the game, and do not always play nice. No one was murdered in the playing of this game. All right, Nicole. Star Trek Fleet Captains. This is a game of competitive space exploration from WizKids Games. Now, the base box of the game finds the Klingons facing off against the Federation in a struggle to reach 10 points before your opponent. Now, points are gained by random assortment of mission cards from three decks, science, combat, and influence. Players will assume control of a fleet of spaceships, placing several into play and having plenty in reserve. Now, on the table are laid out 27 shuffled hex map tiles, and uh, these are placed face down, and each player will take a side of the hexes. Players then take turns moving their fleet and doing three actions per turn, attempting to accomplish their missions. Now, what actions can you take? You could attack an enemy. You could beam down to a planet. You can build a space station, cloak your ship, use your sensors, increase your speed, send more power to your shields, or go in red alert or encounter aliens. Just about anything from the show except for sleeping with a space woman. (laughs) Now, once a preset point amount is... uh, When you complete these missions, you gain points. Once a preset point amount is reach the game ends so arm your photon torpedoes because sensors show that an enemy has entered the sector nicole boom how fast was those 
<laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, okay, so we played this game. Now, this is... Uh, in this game, we played an expansion. We played Romulans versus Klingons instead of the Federation. So the Federation's got nothing to do with this. Get out of here, you goody two-shoes. <laughs> Did the Romulans ever fight the Klingons on the show? I couldn't tell you. I mean, I'm not... I, I Honestly, I'm not that big a Star Trek fan. And the thing is, is most of the episodes in the Star Trek uh, history, I think, occur during Next Generation. And I, that was such a... Oh, my goodness. I don't know what to say about it. I just don't like I don't like next generation. It's it's too hippy dippy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, we play Romulans versus Klingons. Um, and this is our third play of this game. We've played it a couple times, but it's been a few years. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and this is one of these games. I got to tell you, it comes in a really large box. So we have yes. to kind of keep this giant box. We have like a couple of shelves that can accommodate bigger than average boxes in our closet. And it takes up one of those spaces, and and we don't we probably don't play as much as we as we should have over this time. But I mean, this is probably my my fourth play total, but our third play together. Right. Um, this is made by WizKids, so the ships have click wheels on them. Right. Just like a hero clicks guy, which is a little stat wheel that's on the bottom of a miniature, Just and we have like little in miniature Mage ships. Knight. And this does come with several of these these nice little miniature ships. Yeah, uh, and they they are uh, color coded. Your uh, Romulans are sort of a fluorescent type green or a jade green, and my Klingons are more like a army army green, like a drab kind of green. Yeah, dra- drab dark green, uh, and the Federation ships that come in the box are a, a kind of light toned gray. Uh, so you sense. can see everything pretty easy without having to paint anything. None of the ships are painted up front. Uh, the click wheel is used differently than hero clicks in this game. Um, <clears throat> when you look at the click wheel, you get settings of your ship. And you usually have, like, I think in you have three different modes you can be in. You can be in red alert, you can be in yellow alert, or you can be in just normal ship mode. Mm-hmm. And in in red alert, you usually have, like, one, maybe two settings you can go to. In the yellow alert, you got maybe two or three, and then in the main one, you've got like four or five settings. Not always; some of them are only three or right. three or four. And it depends on how big your ship maybe is. Maybe five, yeah. Uh, and these settings change like how you how you source power in your ship is ultimately what it really does, and it sends it between sensors, shields, uh, firepower, and what else? Speed, Movement. like yeah. your thrusters. Uh, so it gives you all those different different uh, factors and you can and those numbers change to one of three or four different settings you know that you have there was several of them though like <coughs> even in the normal settings like if you if you chose to go full speed you had right. no shields correct because so, you put all your energy towards just moving fast right and so once you get there you're stopped now but right. you still have no shields now you couldn't change anything yet yeah right and now in yellow alert and red alert those are settings that you go into by force Uh, someone has damaged your ship, you will go into yellow alert. If they've damaged you twice, red alert. If you get damaged a third time, your, your ship gets blown up. Right. That's how it works. Um, every turn you get to move your whole fleet, even though you only get to perform three actions. Uh, you get to move everybody. You, you set your dial to what you want your movement to be and you move, you know, a certain number of spaces, like one to move to an adjacent tile and then you're, you've got to reference the tile to see if you can move across that tile or not. 
So that's kind of what where the movement and stuff comes in. And sensors, you know, if you have to do some sort of sensor check, you know, or like try to find a cloaked ship or whatever, then you're going to need to adjust your dial accordingly. You get to do it once per turn, and you can do it, you know, in between actions. I don't think you can do it mid-action. But that that's basically, you know, that's basically some some other rules and stuff that I didn't really go over in that quick rules. But let's just uh, start off by hearing how the game starts, okay? Okay. Here we go. What are your ships, Nicole? Oh, I have to say their names? Why not? Because they're hard. Well, say them. Well, this one, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. P-I? What's that? P? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have pie. <laughs> I have pie, uh, which is only a size one. I have Cadius, which is a size two. Right. <laughs> I have Erlyria. Erlyria? Erlyria? For this yeah. is size two, and IRW Kazara is a size five. What's an IRW? International Romulan. Intergalactic Romulan warbird. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I think that's what that is. Okay, we'll go with that. <clears throat> um, so I've got uh, three different IKS ships. I've got the Samra, I've got the Negvar, and the Guroth. That's what I've got. Right. And they are a, uh, my Samra is a size one. It gets the special ability of, if it takes a scan action, it gets a plus three sensor counter. That's discarded after its next sensor test. So it's like I boost my next sensor test. Weird. <laughs> um, the Negvar is my biggest ship. It's a battleship. Uh, the Samra is a Klingon scout. The battleship is, uh, if it takes damage in combat while in yellow alert or red alert status, I roll one die on a roll of six, the aggressor also takes one damage. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a mean thing. <clears throat> and the Garoth has the ability called Trouble at the beginning of the game, which is now, when or not when Garoth is a reinforcement, uh, take the Tribbles encounter card out of the encounter deck and shuffle it into my command deck. If Tribbles is in my hand, you may spend an action to play it on an enemy ship in Garoth's location without requiring a transporter action. So I've got the... I have to go into the encounter deck, which I don't want to try to shuffle again. This is ridiculous. Uh, I didn't realize that before we started recording. But I have to find... I'm just looking at the names. I don't know what any of these do. We haven't played this in quite a while. Let's see. Where well, is this? While you're looking for that, I'll go tell you what mine are. Okay. My Erlyria... Uh, is opportunistic. This ship gets plus one weapons against ships with a smaller point size and plus one shields against ships with a larger point size. Uh, Cadius, he's a bum. He gets nothing. He has no special ability whatsoever. Uh, Pi is a mine layer. This ship may use an action to sacrifice a sensor echo in order to force a single enemy ship in the echo's location to make a level 10 shields test. If that ship fails, it takes a damage. Okay confusing um and the irw kazara is an interceptor this ship grants a plus three bonus to any breakaway role that it is involved in hey all right did you figure out your triple situation there I've, i mean the tribbles are over so we can get more mission cards uh you're gonna go through your mission deck you you're gonna complete your missions your missions have been giving to you i think uh maybe it says to go back to that other deck when you cycle them out mm -hmm. i don't remember I know you can cycle a card every turn just by saying, I'm not going to do this one, and 
you know, okay. you can do it once per turn. You haven't even flipped your missions. I know. I'm still doing stuff. Mm. I need my hand of four cards from my command deck. One, four. two, three, four. <clears throat> and my three missions. One, two, three. Now, if your missions are face up, you can tell me what they are because that's they're not secret, and I'll tell you what I've got to. Okay. Okay. So what are you what are you up to right off the bat? I have an honor battle. Destroy an enemy ship in combat using only a single smaller ship. I mean, I've got the Negvar, which is a size six. Every ship in your fleet is smaller. Right. If What's any the of other? What else do you have? That... A size one and a size three. Okay. So two of my ships are, are bigger than half your fleet, over right. half. Um, I have <clears throat> Halt Aggression, remove three enemy control tokens in the same turn, which I don't know how to do that. Remove two enemy control tokens in the same three. turn? Three. Oh, yeah. well, you'll have to actually take uh, influence actions on spaces that I have control tokens on. Huh. Which, that just, I have to put them down before you'll be able to complete that one. That so you're tough. never going to do it? I might... Well, and it depends on what my missions are. Combined attack. <laughs> use two ships to inflict at least one damage to one enemy ship using a cooperative attack action. How do I do a cooperative attack? Uh, you just have two ships in the same space, and they Attacking both take an you. attack action. So you'd use two of your three actions per turn. Okay. So that's your three? Yeah, that's my okay, three. Okay, here's what I've got going on. I've got an influence mission. I have to control two adjacent locations, which is not that tough. No kidding. It's only worth one victory point. It's called Stake a Claim. Uh, I have one called Crippling Strike. I have to inflict two damage to a single enemy ship in combat during a single turn. Doing two damage uh, to a ship at red alert uh, status does not count. So I actually have to take you from full to red alert, and 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 that means I have to basically double whatever your attack value is. Well, to that get shouldn't that be hard on my little pie ship. <clears throat> you mean pee? I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, the last one I have is a secret mission. <gasps> That's not fair. <laughs> I would have had a secret mission, but you gave me a science card accidentally that I wasn't supposed to have. You're not supposed to take science cards, well, Romulan scum. <laughs> Romulans look like they're the ones that look like Vulcans, right? I, they're they're kind of like Vulcans, except they have like very furrowed brows. <laughs> That's kind of how I always thought about them. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. They uh, let's see. I got to look at what this is, so I can't tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. Do you need me to like plug my ears so you can tell the listeners? Shh. I'm reading, please. <laughs> Nicole. Weird. That's a strange one. I'll, I'll go for it, though. Why not? Okay. Okay, so let's roll our two six-sided dice. We'll just do a two six-sided dice roll off to see who gets initiative, okay? Seven. You rolled a seven. I rolled a nine. So first. I get to go first, okay? Of course. And I think we just go back and forth. No, we, we actually take turns. We take three actions, and you take turns, take three actions, and we just continue the game like that. Okay. Don't worry. Up front, it's, there's so much to do. There's, there's nothing really to worry about. Let's so, get on with that. All right, so first thing I do... And I wish they had, like, a cheat sheet of actions. Here they are. Okay. Way over there? Okay. <clears throat> I'll put it right here. Thank you. As long as you don't put your card... Oh, never mind. <laughs> My card's on your way. <clears throat> All right, so I'm going to take a... First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take the Samra for a flight. And the Samra's movement dial is set to four, is it? Yep, he's set to four. So he's not going to go flying too far. He goes right out here, just in front of my... Uh, 
command post, and I come across a Class 1 Nebula as I fly into the first hex. Um, it is a star. Installations at this location require one less influence token. Hmm. So I can actually create its habitable star. Um, <clears throat> he's a size 4. I only have a movement of 4, and I've already used 1 to move in. So I won't be able to do anything, but I think I will take an action, and I will place a uh, influence token down in this area, okay? Okay. So I put an influence down right there. That's my influence action. <clears throat> okay, so that's one action. I haven't even looked at these other cards. Hmm, I tell you. Doesn't matter. Alright, so the next thing I'm going to do is that's the, I'm going to end Samra's turn right there because he's taking an action and he can't move anymore because of the... Oh, I have to roll an encounter. Sorry. He rolls a two, so he gets an encounter. Here we go. At my nebula. <clears throat> I come across... Romulan Ale is the name of this. <laughs> it says this. Persistent Encounter plays this card on your ship as a piece of cargo. At the start of your turn, when this encounter is revealed, the ship carrying this cargo must roll a die to determine which system is disabled. Whoa. If you return this cargo to your command point or post, no action is required to transfer the cargo to your command post, place this card in your victory pile. Instead, this, this would have happened before I did the, the other token. So you're going to change so, your mind. I know. So it takes zero for me to move into my command post. So I move into my command post right now during my turn. Well, no, I can't move. I can't move. Because I already moved, in a right. and this does this. So I do actually put my, my token down anyways. Okay. But now I have this Romulan Ale, and this is the perfect time for me to get that. So Samra has just loaded up on Romulan Ale, which is strong, I've heard. It's very cheaty of you. Thank you. Uh, my next action uh, is going to be the... Uh, I think I'm going to take the Garoth, and I'll take him to the right of my command post onto this this one. And this is a... Uh, you didn't put your action token on your guy. Sorry. Hypergiant uh, Star. This hypergiant. You're supposed to move each ship first, anyway, before you do any action. So you still shouldn't even be taking. No, you can do action. any of those in any order. You can move each ship in your fleet in any order you want. You can do all of these things. Well, okay then. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to move the Garoth over here. He goes to the hypergiant star. This is a size nine space, so I'm probably not going to move again since I have six movement left. Uh, the NX-01 Enterprise was the first ship to observe a hypergiant star at close range, it says. There's nothing I can do with this space. His turn's basically over. You have to roll up for an encounter. <laughs> oh, I do. Here we go. Um, he does nope. not come up with an encounter. Only a one chance on that. So then I take the Negvar out uh, in front of my command post, directly out the front, and he comes across a planet in a subspace rift. Uh, the status is habitable. It says I have to do an encounter, which I do one. Great. Here we go. Rolled a one. Wow. Rolled a one with a one chance. Uh, I come across a supernova in this. <clears throat> a massive supernova has exploded in this region, permanently affecting everything in the vicinity. All ships in this and all adjacent locations, ooh, must each succeed on individual level 10 engine tests or take one damage. All surviving ships in this area immediately move two tiles towards their command posts. If a ship in this area lands on an unexplored location tile, it is explored as if the ship moved into the area. Replace this and all the adjacent locations with the new face-down locations. 
So I have to make a, a engine test for all of my spaceships, and this one has to move back to the command post. But it said all of them did. It says, oh, it says in this area, all surviving ships in this area move two tiles towards their command post. Only, and only... then you replace just that one tile? <clears throat> what? It said you replaced the tile. Yes, replace this with an all, in all adjacent locations. So yeah, it would be everyone moves. Everybody, I told Whoa. you. Okay, so. That's good for you. Yeah, I know. So here's my engine check for my main ship. It's a five, I fail that, so I go down to yellow level. Yes! But it doesn't matter, I'm moving into my command station right after this. So? So I get to heal, it basically heals. Well then why <laughs> do you movement. change it? Because, okay, so he does that, he moves here. Uh, this guy, my nebula that I don't I control, now I don't control. He has to roll a six. He rolls a five, so he goes down to yellow. <laughs> Click wheels. I'll just do that. Okay, and this guy has to roll a three. Hey, I pass on one guy, and he moves back there. And all three of these go away. Mm-hmm. That planet <laughs> blew up. So my whole first turn, all I did was get some Romulan ale and go back home as everything exploded. Right, but now you still have two actions left. Can't you use your stupid ale and... I can do point? repair actions is what I could do, but only on the one guy. Well, you can do... <coughs> Oops, I looked at that. I'm sorry. Don't I'll look at that. the next one. I have no idea what it was, but I accidentally flipped it towards me. Okay. So all new locations. It's almost like a restart on my first whole turn. Is that ridiculous? Yeah, except... Okay, so now so wait, you're ale, though you can drop it off, right? I think it's, it's um. You just put your action token underneath your card. There you I go. know. Uh, it just says, at the start of your turn, you have to do this. If you return the cargo to your command, oh, it says no uh, action required mm -hmm. to your command post. You place this card in your victory pile. This card is worth two victory points. So you just got two victory points for, like, restarting your turn. Yes. I feel totally ripped off. <laughs> can't believe it worked out like that. Me either. <laughs> okay, so I get knocked back, and I'm in here. I'm going to use an action. Uh, both these guys haven't taken actions, so I'm going to do repair actions on both of them, and they'll be both up to full strength again. Well, no, the guy, one guy didn't get damaged. Which guy? This guy. The last guy, he didn't get damaged. Oh, yeah, And the other okay. guy already took an action. Right, so this guy is the only one who can heal right now. Right. So he takes a repair action and bumps himself back up, and that's all of my actions. So it's Ooh, your turn. that guy? Yeah. Why did he get damaged? Because he got blown up in the thing. He got blown up, but he didn't. He rolled a five. You said the only had to This roll guy three. rolled a five. Who? This guy failed. This guy failed. This guy passed. And I moved him as I called him. But you said he already did his action. This guy had, so he's still damaged. Oh, and, and the other two are full? They they went, they went got blown up back to base, and their action, this guy's action was to, to heal. So confused. Okay, so everybody's full except the one. <laughs> right, and I've used three actions, and I've moved all my ships, and I have nothing else I need to do, I think, so it's your turn. Okay. <laughs> Stop talking during my this turn. Awful. <laughs> all right, so I can move each ship in my fleet? Yeah, you can move every ship, ship in your fleet, and huh. then you can take three actions, and you can make a power adjustment at any time with each one of your ships one time each right. turn, well, and play Pi command cards. And... can only move, what, four? So, okay, he's going to try and move here. What is that? 
Inversion Nebula. It's a size five, so I can't really do anything. Any ship that ends its turn in this location must succeed a level 10 sensor test or take one damage. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, well, but before that, I uh, have to roll for an encounter. And of course, I have to take an encounter. Oh, exciting. Let's no, see what happens. it's not. Sensor echo. A strange sensor's readings, reading leads your engineer to run a complete diagnostic before rescanning this region of space. Attempt a level 12 sensor test. Oh, what's if your you, sensor's at right now? My sensor is at a one. What's your guy in the space he's in? Is that a one? Okay, so you can't roll that. Do you have any cards that could make it so you could do that? Um, no. And... No. But, oh, wait, no. And, oh. No. No, I can't. I can't even do it. So... Discard this card if you fail the sensor test. So I just discard this card. Okay. Bleh. Waste of time. All right. So then I have to do a level 10 sensor test, which I still can't pass. Okay, so now so I you take go a down damage. to yellow level, yeah. Or, hold on. I can't do that. Um, I have... No, that's... I can't. That's combat. Can I do an interrupt? Does it help you? Yeah. I, I think so. <laughs> it says interrupt. Trash a crew card from your hand to prevent one damage to this ship. Okay, you could do that. Can I make that the card I trash? You have to trash, no, you have to trash a card in addition to that, right? I don't know. You're the one who knows how to play this game. <laughs> do you have a crew card? Is that a crew card that says that you can oh, do Oh, I have a crew card, yes. I okay, have so if you trash that, that crew card, you okay. can... And I just can't ever use this card. Right, he's gone. You well, can avoid fine. the damage. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay. And then do I get to grab another... But you spend that command card that you use to do that. Okay. So you played a card, and then you said, I'm getting rid of this crew card. So to I make spent this, this and right. where does it go? It goes into your just discard pile next to your command deck. Okay. okay. So now do you I get... draw those cards back, right? When you're right doing... now, yeah, you get two cards right now. Okay. So that was one action that I mm -hmm. did, right? No, you I haven't, haven't done even an done action. an action. No, yet. you just moved. All I did was move and try not to take damage, and then I used just stuck there. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> this little guy, who is he? Raluria. Raluria. Um, he can move. What is that? Eight? He can move eight. So he can go through here and go to something else, right? Um, I wouldn't suggest. Well, you can, yeah. You'd go one to go into it, uh -huh. five to go across it, and then and you'd then... have one left to go wherever you want. Okay, well, I'm going to do that. Why wouldn't you okay. suggest it? Go ahead. It's exploring things. Yeah, why not? Okay, so boom. Class 11 Nebula. It's probably big, isn't it? Yeah, it's a six. 
Okay, so that's where you'll have to end up stopping. Now it says you do for, have to do an encounter again, so you have to roll it. Um, I rolled a five, so I don't have to do an encounter. But it says four weapons, minus four weapons. Right. So when you're in that oh area, gosh. you have minus four on your weapons. Well, that's bad. Don't fight <laughs> me. Yeah, I don't want to get in me. a fight in the class eleven nebula. No kidding. Okay. Okay, so that's that guy. Okay. Ugh. Who's this little dinky dude? Cadius. Cadius? Yeah. <laughs> He's going to, this is going to take forever. What's he got? He's got an eight. So he's going to go here. And, oh, it's a encounter one, size one, small dark matter nebula. Oh, there you go. A ship that attempts to both enter and leave this location in the same turn must roll a die. On a result of one through five, the ship must stop on this location instead. So as you're attempting to enter that, you have to roll a die to see if you can even get in there. Well, I got to do my encounter. Well, no, I can enter it no matter what. Okay. I just may have to stop. So my encounter, I do not have to do. But then I have to roll a six to be able to go through. Whoa. So I'm going to try that. <laughs> I got a six. Got I can go through. <laughs> Woo! Okay. <laughs> Waste so, all those on that kind of moves, not when we actually have combat stuff. Okay, so then he's going to go on to <clears throat> here. Okay. So it's a class M planet. Installations mm. at this location require one less control token to build. Sweet. Okay, it's an encounter one or two. Move your guy in there. Oh, sorry. Boom. And nope. You don't have an encounter? Four. Okay. So you can do. So a, I can do an action. Yeah. With Cadius to place one of those influence tokens. Control token. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. With my little green. Or wings. or because it requires one less, you could actually put an outpost in for that action instead of that influence token. How do I do that? You just say I'm going to do. It, I'm going to build an outpost. Because you, you just have to take your influence token away. I thought you had to do three of them or something to do an outpost. This one says one less, but I mean, it's just, you wouldn't you wouldn't technically control it is the problem. I don't know what you're talking about. Just go about. ahead and do what you did. No, I don't Ignore know what you're what saying, saying, though. No, I'm confused. It takes one influence to build an outpost. Okay. It takes two influence to build a colony. It takes three influence on one location to build a star, star base. If this one takes one less influence to build a, a installation, you could build without any. You could build an outpost with zero. So can't I just do that? But you wouldn't control it. It'd just be sitting there. Okay, can't that be one action and then do a second you action? You can't do to... two actions with one ship. Why not? Because that's the rules. I said that. Okay, so he can't do anything else, basically. If he puts that influence token down, yeah. Okay, then he's, so he can, so next turn, he can go ahead and put in an outpost. Sure. And you'll own it. Okay. Okay? All right. Keep going. So, Kazara was going to travel. <laughs> it was ridiculous. To empty space. Good. Space, the final frontier. Ah. Yes, we, we know this. And I have to roll <laughs> for an encounter. I do not have to do an encounter. So now I just have to do, I mean, what other actions can I even possibly do? Well, you can cloak, you can do... Uh, Why would I want to? I don't know, because then you can sneak around and I won't know where you are. Uh, you can do repairs, you can do scans, you can scan another location to see if it's where you want to go as your action. Okay, I'll scan something. Okay, so pick one of the locations adjacent to your current ship you're using and look at it. Don't show it to me. I'm not going to show you anything. 
Okay, so you did it adjacent to this ship, so mm -hmm. that would be its action. Okay. Okay, so and put that is, action. Who is he? I didn't even look. Okay. Okay, still have another action left. Then I'll scan for this for Kazara. And bleh. Hmm. Mm hmm. Okay, scan token that. <clears throat> so you've moved all your ships, you've done all three of your actions. Do you have any command cards you want to play before the end of your turn? Why would I need to? Just asking. I don't know. I haven't even been able to read mine because I've been no. playing your whole turn with you. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> okay, um, it's your turn. You can also cycle one of your mission cards. Well, good grief. They all suck. Right, so you could say, I want to get rid of this one, and I could read exactly what it is, because I think you just pull another one off of your mission deck. Is basically what happens. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't understand any of them. So. You don't understand any of them. I mean, I get it, but I don't understand how I'm supposed to do it without you not letting me do it. So, anyhow, it's your turn. You're replaced from your mission deck. So, how do you get more missions? You draw them from your mission deck. How do you get more of those missions? I don't know. They probably say something somewhere that right, lets you add turn. another mission. Okay? okay, it's your turn. Romulan Ale against Romulans. How weird is it that the Klingons get Romulan Ale as a card and you're playing the Romulans? You'd think the Romulans would have the ale and get to deliver it. One would think. <laughs> but what you hear here at the start of this is really just how chaotic this can be. Um, this game seems pretty cut and dry, and for the most part it will be, but in, in, this, in this beginning clip you really hear... My turn is absolute chaos. Nicole's is pretty par. Okay, it's a, most most turns are a lot more like what you heard Nicole's turn feel like. Um, mine's probably as chaotic as it could possibly get. I've never had it go quite that crazy where I'm replacing tiles and getting blown back into my starting area. Right. <laughs> and in turn, get, you know, getting a mission accomplished that was a random mission given to me by a sheer encounter die roll at the start. I mean, I had no idea any of that could possibly happen. And those encounter cards, those are, I think, are what truly give the flavor of this game. Because on these encounter cards, you get to flip them over and there is pictures and images from the show. Right. Right there. And it, and it usually has something that's similar to what happened on a show. Like uh, at the start, you heard my my ship got to put the Tribbles card into my uh, mission or into my command deck. And I shuffled that in. And if that card comes up, I can then put Tribbles on somebody else's ship by teleporting them over. And in and, and the Troubles with Tribbles episode, spoiler coming up again, they end up uh, <laughs> sending, they get, they have this guy named Henry Mudd who shows up on their ship and he and it gets these little cute creatures, these little puff balls called Tribbles. And they make little cooing sounds and they're cute as can be. And they multiply like crazy. And they get so many that Kirk's like, get these off my ship, and they teleport them onto a Klingon ship right. just to be a jerk. <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, but I get that card right off the bat, so I'll, I would be I would have tribbles on my ship and be able to send them to somebody else's trip right off or ship right off the bat. And those are that's that's the kind of flavor that comes out of those encounter cards. That's really the flavor of the game. I think is in the encounters, and each space has an encounter number on it. I, I, I don't think there's any that say zero. There's always at least a fifteen percent chance every turn that you're, every time you move into a new space that you're going to have an encounter. But once that encounter has happened, once that space is like flipped, that's the only time you get that encounter, which I think is kind of unfortunate. It'd be nicer if you could 
have those more than once. Wouldn't you agree? Or at least have the option to potentially have it. Because, I mean, I could still see rolling the die. Right. But a lot of times I just missed it. Right. Because, I mean, you you don't have any encounters on the first first turn at all. You move four times and reveal three tiles and you get no encounters. I had crappy die rolls. Right. Um, Also, these spaces, uh, you've got many different types of spaces. and, And the effect of each one is drastically different. I mean, you heard that... I mean, there's only probably one card in the entire map deck that has an exploding star potential right. on it. And I, of course, just happened to have it happen by bad it dice wasn't, rolls. Oh, whatever. It wasn't a bad thing. Well, it was lucky in the end. Yeah. But it could have been really bad. If I didn't get that Romulan Ale, it would have been awful. I would have been basically <laughs> restarting my turn and not getting anything for it, right? Yeah, well. <clears throat> um, let's, also t- let's also mention there's control tokens in this game. And control tokens, all they do is really just tell you who is in charge of this space. And this kind of leads to getting missions accomplished. Sometimes they'll say, control this many spaces, or do something when you control a space, or go into somebody else's space that they control and do something. This this is like one of these mechanics that's just sort of built in. And controlling spaces could benefit you later. So you just sort of, like if you have extra actions left over and you don't have anything to do in that space, just throw down a control token. It becomes this casual thing you do. Right. Uh, sometimes it controls like a space station in the area or a planet in the area or whatever. But you just kind of casually do it throughout the game to try to, you know, assert your influence. It's just part of playing the game is control tokens. Um, now, something I didn't mention in the <laughs> rules, <coughs> I said there were three different types of mission cards. There were science, combat, and influence. Nicole's playing the... Romulans. The Romulans are an expansion uh, that, that came out for this game. The first one. There's an additional one. I don't, I don't even know what it's called, but it doesn't matter. The We're playing with the Romulans, and the Romulans introduce a fourth type of mission. They introduce the espionage mission. So she has these cards that I have no experience with that she's doing, and all of them are very like secretive, kind of weird, shifty things, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, that means that that she's kind of like out there in space by herself, and I can't really help her unless she wants to give away information to me. But when you get why would I do that? When you get a card that says secret, most of the time it's like something someone could obviously avoid you doing really easily. But if you have it as a secret mission, like like for instance, one of my missions might be. I think one of mine that was secret said, take damage, take one level of damage without being destroyed in a zone your opponent controls. Well, all you would have to do is just not attack me if I was in a zone you control. Right. And, and I can't get those points, but that's why it's a secret one. And those are played face down, so other people can't see them. Right, but that's not exactly how the espionage ones were. Right. Because they weren't secret. They were just <coughs> impossible. Were they? They felt like it. They were... Uh, they were hard. Yes. All right, so let me just fast forward a bit to our next clip. Um, we're about probably... Oh, I don't even know, like... 20 minutes in here, 25 minutes. Um, I gang up on her, <coughs> and I score the two mission points next when I caused two points of damage and damaged her while in the location she controls. Nicole blazes across all of the tiles on the table, uh, exploring everything and only having one encounter the entire time, mm-hmm. which gives her largest ship an upgrade. I destroy an outpost uh, that Nicole finds, scoring another point and bringing me up to eight points at at this point, if you can believe it. Two for the ale, one for controlling adjacent areas, two for doing two damage, and one for damaging an enemy-controlled area, one for destroying an outpost. And Nicole is sitting at zero as we jump back in here at one hour 
and four minutes. My turn? Yes. My Kazara is going to move in with you guys in the empty space. Right. And we are collectively going to attack you. Whoa. Take it easy. So I have, I don't know what I have because I can't see that far. I have a 9 plus 5, 14 attack. Plus I can use cards, right? Yes. Oh, that won't help me. All right, I'm going to play this card. Okay, did you yeah, play a card? I, I have no cards, I don't care. All right, I'm gonna play this card. It's called Battle Challenge. If I'm, as a target, in combat, if this ship's facing more than one attacker, your opponent must remove one of his ships from the combat or give one of his ships in the combat a permanent minus two weapons token. Really? Your choice. <clears throat> Battle Challenge. You're removing a guy or taking minus two weapons. He's your he's your one point guy? Yes. Ah. Spoken like a Romulan. <laughs> what? Fine. Boom. Cadius oh. is taking minus two. Okay. So that means I have twelve. And my shields are six what are they on? My shields are crappy. They are four right now. Okay, I got eight. Oh, I rolled a six. Right, so what's the total? 12 plus six, 18. You exactly tripled me, so you destroy me in one <laughs> shot. I cannot believe okay, that. Okay, so then I actually get to do a combined <laughs> attack. Use two ships to inflict at least one damage to one enemy ship using a cooperative attack action. Oh, and they both have to use their little action things. Oh, my Kazara actually has plus one weapon, so it would have actually been 19. If that makes you feel any better. That was after your minus two and everything? Yeah. Wow. Romulans are mean. So I, I get to replace my mission, right? Yep. Ooh, secret. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know how to do it. Every time you do a secret mission, you want like a big, slick, long mustache to go... <laughs> Yeah, but here's the problem. I don't I don't know how to do it. You want me to help you? No. <laughs> but I mean I don't I literally don't know how. Like okay. I it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Like give me my page of rules. Here's your page of rules. <sighs> Why would you give me the more difficult <laughs> team? I wanted you to have the most fun. Yours is cool. I gotta start deciding what I want. I get two point ship now. Okay, so Nicole, you finally get on the board. <laughs> it only took you 64 minutes, uh, but you have a big catch up ahead here. I'm at eight points, you're at two. <laughs> <laughs> now I cloak, uh, I'm gonna cloak both my large ships here 
and I travel towards her command space, where I intercept uh, and re- her reinforcement ship that she gets after I killed her other ship, and I kill it, gaining another point, getting me up to nine, while she gets her uh, three ships in play to remove three of my control tokens to get another two points. I guess you were at one point. <laughs> Make it sound even better. Right. Uh, so you you get another two points, and this is like her final push to see if she can make a comeback. So let's just play this final clip and get this done. And then I'm going to do three actions for Pi, Cadius, and Kazara, and take away your control tokens on all three of those. So I remove three enemy control tokens in the same turn. I get two points. Okay. I'm up to three whole points. Woo! That's, that's your... Uh, oh, these are mine. That's my three actions. That's your three actions. And can I, I can add this guy in for f- no that's, action, right? No, that's an action to do oh, a reinforcement. Well so you don't I get, won't to, get do. to do that. It's your right. turn. So my turn, I do a sensor. I have to make a successful level 12 sensor. And I've got a 14 sensor do if I do both of them. Sen- my new thing? What? End three consecutive turns with a cloak token <clears throat> in the same location as one uncloaked enemy ship. The same ship each turn. You must declare which ship is part of the mission. Wow, that's a weird There's one. There's no way I that's can ever do that. One. I can't do that. <coughs> Bottom I'm getting line. rid of it. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait for my turn. Well, it's Go not going to matter. Just win the game, please, and we'll be done. <laughs> that's a secret mission. Great. <laughs> okay. The first thing I do is I take a sensor action on both of these, and I only and I do them together, so I add them together. I only need to do a level 12, and I have 10 victory points. Thank you. Please. Okay, that gives my level 20, or level 30 sensor test in, but... Um, you have 10 victory points. You already won. Right. I don't think Game there's over. any way you're going to be able to do it again. I so. can't do anything. I've got three points. I put one of my influence. Well, I can't Why? put an influence token. Why down. bother? You just won. Okay, I stopped stop playing. You just won. <laughs> Pass the rest of my turn. I think we still play even turns, though, don't we? Who you get- cares? I can't get seven points. <laughs> All right, Nicole. So you didn't win. <laughs> I did not. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even kind of close. <clears throat> right. I think a couple of factors really led to that. One, I got really lucky and got a big push. I got like 30% of my way to my points value right up front without even hard, having to try. Right. The second thing was is your espionage cards were really tough. Yeah. They were ridiculous. They, they were weird ones like stay cloaked in an enemy space, in the same enemy space with an enemy ship for... This many rounds, like two rounds in a row. It just didn't even. I, well, I was moving my ships all over the place. I mean, mm-hmm. you would have to you would have to enter a space where I was purposely doing something and bring your cloaked ship in and wait for me to continue doing that something. Which on a game that's primarily <clears throat> about exploration and encounters, it's not going to happen that you're just going to sit around. That card would work probably against a Federation ship, but my Klingons were like just so war happy and bloodthirsty. You were doomed. Oh yeah. Um. So, I, I mean, honestly, I think that it just kind of played out of your favor. Yeah. I think that, and we went through, like, the espionage cards, and there were quite a quite a bit that were better than what you had. You really did get a, a skunk sort of hand. It was bad. Which does lead me to believe that, yes, you can get a skunk hand of mission cards and have, have your opponent have a much 
you know, a much more, you know, larger advantage against you than you would, you would have, you know? Right. Um, so let's just talk about what, what did you like about this game? I liked when we played it as the Federation. <laughs> Federations and Klingons? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I like, I like the, whoa, what are you doing? Flipping that mic around in my face. Um, I like the exploration parts of it. I like the little challenge cards. I mean, right. that stuff's really cool. Yeah. And then going into my dislike, sorry. I hated the ah. stupid Romulans. I hated playing them. I hated the espionage cards. And I had like, you know, all but three of my cards were espionage or something. I mean, it was right. majority. It was awful. They weren't easy. They didn't make sense. One of them was like, I, don't, I didn't even know how to do it. It was like I had to put someone on your ship as a, uh, a spy. I don't even know how to do that. You have to make a teleport, like a teleport, like or a transport. Because you're going to let me do that. You, I don't, I don't have an option. It's if you're in dumb. the same sector with me and you transport someone to me, I have to take it. But it was like a, a weird thing. Like I, I didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't secretive. But yet I'm putting him on there as a spy. But then I had to wait to do something well, else. I mean, I, I have like a sensor. You have to roll versus my sensors, and as long as I, I you roll above my sensor, which rating, I'm sure I wouldn't. You might have. Uh. Then you can force a crew member from your deck into my ship, and they are automatically a spy. But they give me a boost. <laughs> it was just that part was dumb. Okay, so I I'm going to counter this because I I I thought that there was there was definite. Uh, there was definitely something to the Romulans that would be kind of interesting in it. And it, they did a good job of trying to push away from how the Klingons and the Federation feel to make something new, whether or not that balances or not. I, I mean, we have one game to balance, to judge that on mm-hmm. and it didn't balance at all in our game. <laughs> well, we'd play the Federation against the Romulans sometime. I would do that, but I am not going to be the Romulans. You're the Romulans. No. <laughs> no. Um, here's what I like, okay, since okay. you've already jumped to, to dislikes I, and likes. Well, okay. I always do that. We know right. this about me. Well, I like that there's real show images and movie images in this. Yes. I know a lot of people, like, argue for, like, they don't want pictures, like, of real people. I don't care. Those people are, are ridiculous. Well, I don't know why you wouldn't. It just um, depends on the game. Well, like, people who say that, like, they'll they'll say, like, Touch of Evil should have cartoon images rather than but Touch real of Evil is not based on a whole... Who cares? Those actors are amazing. I love them. I know, but that's what I'm saying. But it's not based on a show. How would you right. want to do this without the pictures of the show? Well, or I the mean, movies? we have, for instance, we have Alien and Predators card games, and they feature comic comic book art. And I can tell you right now, oh, I yeah. think that Evil Dead board game is going to feature all the comic book art. Well, if it's being brought to you by the guys who do the comic book, right. then that seems awfully likely. Exactly. So right. I'm, I'm just going to tell you that, that I like real show and movie images, and this has those in them. Okay. And I like that. Okay. I think there's lots of theme here if you roll the right dice. Yeah. I think that the... Uh, I think the, there's lots of theme <clears throat> here if you're doing more of an exploratory game. Right. Now, now to expand on, on her saying all I had was ep- espionage cards, you we do a dra- like a, a random draw of these ship cards, and we're like, you play, you, you draw as many ship cards as the size of the ship until it adds up to the total amount of victory points. Now, to clarify that, it means we were playing a 10-point game, which is the standard size game. So if the first card she draws is a size 6, that ship is automatically in her fleet. 
she then draws a two. That card's automatically in her fleet. If she draws another two, she's done deck building or like fleet building. Mm-hmm. Those are the ships that are in her in her fleet. If she instead of drawing a second two, she drew another six, she would discard that and draw another card and try to see if it was under that amount of what's left. Now, those ships, each one of them dictates how many of each mission type goes into your deck. And it's it's to the number that their size is. So a size six ships will add six mission cards. And a size two will add two mission cards of of certain types. And those the, the differentiation of types or the, the breakdown of types is designated by the ship card. Right. So whenever you drew a certain, like maybe you drew your biggest ship card, it probably said five espionage cards and one combat card. Right. And you were doomed from the start. Right. So it would play out drastically different, I'm sure, if we just redrafted your fleet. Okay? Maybe. <laughs> and like I said, we went through your espionage deck, and and, we, and I found lots of cards I could have done. Well, you could have. I don't know if I would have beaten the lucky star blow up beginning of the Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I probably would have been okay. But I think there's plenty of theme in this game. Yeah. I can't think of a more thematic Star Trek game on the market than this one right now. I've got nothing. Okay. The other ones don't match up. They don't really fit that feel of I'm in my ships and I'm I'm sailing through the cosmos and I'm going to discover things and I'm going to fight enemies and I'm going to have secret missions. It's super cool. It really is. Yeah. Um, I think there's a I think there's a great variety truly in the missions shuffled with the fleet randomness. I really do. I think that the next game you played with the Romulans, for instance, would be drastically different, and there's no way to avoid that. There just truly isn't. That's a good thing. Yes. I mean, there's incredible variety in this game and variation. Um, I like that there's a simple four hit point system, unlike Hero Clicks, where you're like, am I almost dead or not? I don't know. I mean, technically, you can figure it out by clicking through the wheel, but it's it's just nice that you know you're either white, yellow, red, or dead. Yeah, I really enjoyed that part, too. I, I thought that uh, they did a good job. Right, and I really like how they use the clicks. Yeah. I mean, this is my favorite way they've used the clicks. Yeah, the fact that you games. can adjust the clicks right. at, as long as you stay within your, your range. Right. That That is this really is cool. This is the best way they've used clicks yet. Absolutely. Period. I agree. It's better than hero clicks on usage. I agree. And it fits that theme perfectly. Because they always talk about putting more energy in this system and that system on your ship. And it makes you feel like you're doing something with your ship. It's great. Um, I think the encounter deck's probably the most important part to this game to bringing this series to life. Yeah. To bringing it to that that Star Trek life. I would almost want to house rule it next time, too, though, (coughs) and include that if you go back to a spot, you get to roll again to see if you get an encounter. Maybe. Uh, The other thing I like about this, this is my last like. I like. so sorry. I like that death gets you better ships. When you die... It doesn't get you better ships. Well, it can. It, 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 can because it gets you different ones. If you lose, like, you lost a one-point ship. Well, it gave you another point. So now your ship fleet total is 11. Oh, you're right. It does give you... So now you can have a level two ship to replace right. your level one ship, which is awesome. Yeah, that part is cool. And if you... and it, Pep, get out of here. <laughs> the, <What>? uh... <laughs> I like you, buddy. The, uh... 
this is what's cool is you could actually if you had three points let's say i'd killed if you had if i killed like a two-point ship and you got another point uh-huh. you could actually take a two-point and a one-point to reinforce with yeah which i mean you're right that part's really cool that's that's amazing it makes you feel like you, you know you didn't lose something you got stronger is a neat mechanic and a neat well, way it to kind feel. of balances out that you're kind of sucking so ooh, let's strengthen you up a little right, bit. right you just suffered a setback but now you're moving forward as well which is really cool. That I is think cool. that's awesome. I agree. What I don't like about this game, this game, uh, dice driven, and I'm going to tell you, based on, you know, you could hear in the first clip, this game can swing quickly and sheer luck will drive that. Yeah. It will drive so fast against you or for you, it's stunning. You know? Yeah. Um, I think some missions can feel near impossible. Right. Quite a few. But that's why they've included that mechanic where every turn you get to cycle a mission card. But you are limited to whatever your deck is. And you still have to make 10 points out of that little deck of 10 cards. Right. And you don't get replacement cards that I could see anywhere. Like to replace those from the main mission decks up at the top. Right. So um, beyond the ships, I think that the components are pretty average quality. Well, it's just little cardboard pieces. Well, They're like not bad cardboard, specifically, though. the hexes are made of really flimsy cardboard. Not super flimsy. Well, not so flimsy that they like warp or. They're of the dent. same quality as the cards you play with. They're not bad. They're pretty bad. They're not bad. They're pretty bad. It's I average. It's, I'm just saying it's average components I, overall. Uh, yeah, that's They're why not I said terrible, average not quality components. Okay. Is what I said. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, how difficult is this game, Nicole? Uh, with the Romulans, <laughs> pretty difficult. Yeah. With the with the base game, not quite so bad. <laughs> In the base game, you have you got the Federation that does a lot of science and influence missions, mm-hmm. and then you, then you have the Klingons that do influence and combat. That's the pretty combat much how it balances complicates out. things. Combat. The combat. Well, the combat and the ep- espionage complicate things a little bit. Those are the harder parts. <laughs> the rest of it was pretty easy. I didn't think it was that bad. I think overall, difficulty-wise, personally... The cloaking? Right. Personally, I'm going to say it's a four. There's lots of little nitpicking rules throughout this whole book, and it's every little rule for every little thing you could possibly do, but it's the only ways they can can fully realize Star Trek. Right. Is to have tons of nitpicking little rules. Yeah. The book is written well, and it's easy to look up all of it, so I can't really say it's, it's a bad experience to find it. But I'd say it's a four out of five. Yeah. I just it's kind of hard. You know, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a little difficult to teach a new gamer. I wouldn't say the hardest, but I would say a four out of five. Agreed. What would you rate this game out of five? This game that we played, I would rate a three. Right. Um, if you leave out the expansion, I'd actually <laughs> give it a four. I really enjoyed playing right. this game the first first time or two that we played it right i did not enjoy this one that much um i enjoyed parts of it but i was i was so overwhelmed with i don't know how to do this and i can't ask for help Hmm. because that's just going to ruin the game then you know exactly what i'm trying to do and that ruins it right because it is a versus game right and that's that's disheartening that's something else to mention is that each expansion you add and there's two expansions for this game adds another player potentially if you want so yeah. we could play a three-player version of this game right now. If we bought the fourth one, we could play a four-player game. Not that I would want that, really. I really think the base game's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't give it a four. I think it's awesome. I'll go for a four as long as you don't t- count the expansion. I think it's awesome. 
I think it's cool as can be. I think it's it's Star Trek in a box, and I don't yeah, think you can absolutely. get it. I honestly don't. I can't imagine what someone's going to do to get this much closer to Star Trek in a box. I don't know. You know? I really don't. Um, but if you like the first series of Star Trek and you don't care, it does have next generation ships. It has the Voyager in it. Yeah. It has all these different ships from all the eras of, of Star Trek. And if you get into those decks, you can actually see members and pictures of, of those series as well. Because your command deck that you get that you can play cards out of every turn on different actions, that has pictures from the show too, just like the Encounter deck does. Right. And uh, those those will be more thematic towards those eras as well. So, I mean, I, honestly, I think this game's awesome. It's a four out of five. Okay, I agree. Um, now, Nicole, I just want to say, we've finished up our, our review, and normally we'd end it, but this game was voted on by the Guild, and I think it's time for us to do another vote, isn't it? Yes. It's time for those of you playing at home to get a chance to win a fabulous game review of your choice in an upcoming episode. Simply listen to these choices and cast your vote at our Board Game Geek Guild. Must be a member of our guild and reply by the Friday after this release. Standard Board Game Geek Guild membership required. See our BGG Guild for information on how you can join. Finding our guild is as simple as going to our website, talkaboutboardgames.com, and clicking the forms button at the top of the page. All right, Nicole. All right, Fred. Here we go. These are the three games. We went through our collection, and we picked three apiece, and we argued, <coughs> and these are the three we came out with. <laughs> are argued. you satisfied with them? Sure. Okay. Uh, number three is Seasons. This is a uh, game where you play four seasons, but you do it with these big chunky dice, and you gather resources and stuff based on these little dice, what you roll, and what else? It's like a card drafting. Card drafting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's, what kind of bugged us about this is there's like, is there, it, what's it about this that bugs you? Isn't there like, it's only. Because the, there's three rounds. Per year. Per year. And you play two years. Right. So if you have three people, it works because each person gets, because that's what it is. First player rotates. Right. So <laughs> it's like, it's off. Right. Because there's four seasons and. I, I don't know. The math doesn't work right in my head. It's, a, it's up to a four-player game, but if you played four players, one person wouldn't be first player twice. Two, everybody else would. Right. So, or two of the other people. It doesn't balance as far as right. that goes, but I don't care, whatever. <clears throat> I still enjoy the game. Right. It's it's a fun uh, deck buildy kind of game where you, you, you're you playing. Spoil There's it, a lot of card like play <laughs> in this game. Yeah, Nicole really, really likes this game. You play with some dice that generate resources, and there's a lot of uh, detailed card play in it. Right. I think. Uh, number two is on here because someone on our guild recently, I think it was uh, Rodney, wasn't it, or somebody? I don't know who it was. And if it a, wasn't, now you feel like a jerk, don't you? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I never feel like a jerk. Um they were calling out and wanting some classic games. And this is one of the ones that he mentioned, and it's Puerto Rico. Now, this Puerto is Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico is a uh, it's kind of an interesting game because it started this sort of mechanic where if I select a like every turn, you're going to select an action and you can't select one that somebody else has selected or something like that. And once you select it, you get like this primary effect. So let's just say in this in, in just a simplify it i select two blue to the gain two blue cubes option well nicole's going to get that action as well but she's only going to gain one blue cube right and this game is what led to um san juan 
the card game. It led to Roll for or Race for the Galaxy and Roll for the Galaxy. Hmm. Are all based off this same, I get a a big version of the action I choose and you get a lessened version of the action I choose. And this game's all about farming and shipping goods. So it's a little more, it's a very traditional game. It's considered a modern classic. Still trying to think of that farming movie. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Keep Bridges going. in Madison County? Don't they have a farm? No. The last uh, one we picked was... A river runs through it. Don't they have a farm? I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, here we go. Uh, the last one is the Prodigal Club. <laughs> this is a uh, spiritual successor to Last Will. This game uh, has you trying to uh, lose your f- your face as well as all your money and stuff like that. I think your face. Yeah, your your status. You're gonna melt it off. You're gonna yeah. You're gonna go to a rock concert and get your melt face your melted off. Face off. The, uh, and it, you basically try to lose your prestige <laughs> of being in this Excuse club. Me. And try to uh, basically become a, a, sh- a schlub. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, that's the three seasons. Puerto Rico, the Prodigal Club. Go to our board game geek guild and cast your vote. And in a future episode, hopefully not as long as the one that we played this week took, uh, we will play the, one of those it took episodes. Us like three or four months. We we did it at the end of September, I think. Wow, last time. <laughs> that's my fault. It's my fault. It's but guess your fault. what? I'm going to blame you. Right. But the good news is. Or maybe it's not good for you. (laughs) Uh, We are at the end of another episode. That's the end of episode 52, our two-year anniversary episode. Can you believe it? Easy. Two years have gone by. Oh, my gosh. Feels like forever. Does it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like a couple months have gone by to me. Can't believe it. Anyway, uh, so here's the deal. You can simply go to talkaboutboardgames.com and click forums at the top left. You can join our board game and join Board Game Geek. And why not? Because that place is awesome. Okay? We support them when they do their little uh, right. money thing every year because why wouldn't you? Right. You can just join up with them and then you join our guild and right. then you vote. Right. Why not? If you don't, you know what? You get what you deserve, which <laughs> is listening to what somebody else voted for. You want that? <laughs> Um, And 15 people just said, I don't want to listen to you anymore. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I need them anyways. Okay, here we go. Come back. Now, in addition to joining the guild, we invite you to follow our Twitter, like our Facebook and Instagram page. Write us at talkaboutboardgames at gmail.com. Someone wrote us recently. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. He was saying that he, uh, he did... What? He, he went and bought gems from the Fantasy Flight Game Store or something like that. Or no, Board Game Geek Store sells gems. And he was telling us that that's how he solved his problems with Mission Red Planet's lack of money chips. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. That thing. The now, chips. Our solution for that is we bought a really nice set of poker chips. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily... You can't put them in the spots. They're too big. I know. They're way too big. The that's, gems that's are kind of a good stackable. idea. We very <laughs> rarely, but every once in a blue moon, will buy like the little extra thingies like that like you you pimped out my uh lords of water deep with the little <laughs> the little meeples instead of the little cubes. It helps. It i helps. love them right i love them now in two weeks we are going to return with our first horror game of the new year when we finish of <laughs> the new year i know when we finish our five for five of the game slaughterville thanks for listening i think these are flying backwards too yeah. are they really you've been flying everything backwards they don't look... So that looks backwards. <laughs> <laughs>
all face the same direction. <laughs> this is forwards. That's forwards. Look where my guys are. They look like the guys. <laughs> well, if you look so at you the, can read the stats that if, are closest to oh, you. That makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but the ships look backwards then. Doesn't matter. Okay. 